Hey guys, welcome to Bagging the Broadcast, episode number 371. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out May 9th or May 2nd. 2nd? 2018. It's only because we didn't record an episode last week. Yeah. We were busy celebrating my birthday, right, guys? Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and, and the week before that was my birthday. Yeah. But yeah. And Paul, what, what, what do we always do? We, we always drink to forget that we're getting older. That's it. <laughs> and what are you drinking, Chris, to forget how old we're getting? Uh, it's officially summer here in Florida, as it has been for the past 364 days of this uh, year. Uh, but I'm drinking a nice tropical IPA from Funky Buddha Brewing, and this is their Hooky Idol. It is a IPA with natural flavors. Um, if you look a little bit closer on the label, because it's printed really small, it says that this is a double IPA brewed with passion fruit, lime, mint, and mosaic hops. Uh, and this is a delightful hot summer day, like drink outside kind of beer. Um, the fact that this is a double IPA is kind of surprised because it, it doesn't feel as mouth heavy as most double IPAs do. It's uh, 8.0 on the ABV scale. Um, but there's just such a great like tropical pop to it. It's almost like drinking a fruit punch. Like if this was served over shaved ice, and like sold at the theme park, I'd be like, "Wow, what a wonderful dessert!" Like it's, it's delightful. Um, I was kind of afraid at first when I saw that there was like mint on this. I don't like beers that are brewed with mint. Um, the only exception I have to that is the Southern Tier Thick Mint. But even then, like that was that was the upper limit for me. I tried the brewery uh, cocoa mint one, and I just I could not get into it at all. Uh, but this is. This is a delightful amount of mint. It would almost be like, not a mint julep. What's the other one I'm thinking about? Like a mojito, but with Ooh, a nice mojito. tropical punch. Like this is this is a fantastic beer. I picked up a four pack of it, and I do not regret this purchase at all. Mm. Paul, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a uh, birthday present from a very good friend of the show, Ed, or super friend of the show, Ed of the show, Ed. Uh, this is even more. JCS, not even more Jesus from Evil Twin. This is JCS, which is their uh, basically even more Jesus, but uh, aged uh, with vanilla, coffee, and lactose. Uh, this is coming in at twelve percent, so it might be the only beer I drink. But then again, we started a gig at a jibba jabbian an hour ago, like an hour ago, and <laughs> yep. I'm now uh, two thirds of the way through this beer. And uh, so if I seem a little out of it, it's because I'm already two-thirds done with this beer. It's delicious. Sounds it's like you're uh, going to need to have that second one after all, Paul. I, I probably uh, shouldn't, I poured. I, I poured both of my beers uh, for the show, and I'm halfway done with both of them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll probably drink some more. This is a really dark, rich Imperial Stout. It pours like motor oil. It's... Uh, it's really thick. Like when I was pouring, you know, I have a pint glass and it's in a pint can, and it filled my uh, pint glass up, 
And there was still just a little bit in the can, but it felt, the can still felt heavy. Like, this is a dense beer. Uh, it goes down really smooth. I kind of wanted to, it just to be a sipper. But, man, it goes down so smooth, and that vanilla and coffee is just so nice. And I thought this might be a little older because, you know, Ed doesn't get to drink that much since he has to wrangle twins, uh, you know, his twin boys around, you know, and they're, like, under the age of three. So he's kind of got his hands full. But this was uh, bottle, uh, canned on uh, 322.18, so this oh, is nice. fairly fresh. Well, in, uh, for even, like, when you said when you first poured it, when we started talking in the pre-show stuff you thought the beer had gone bad because it poured out so thick and so flat but you know it did get a little bit of head and i was doing an aggressive pour because i didn't want johnny yelling at me um but man it's just such a thick rich dense beautifully delicious imperial stout it's uh it's a wonderful present so and it's a tasty treat so if you if you ever see it out, uh, I definitely think it's uh, worth a buy. Uh, I don't know how much it would cost, but uh, you know, if <laughs> but you, thanks, Ed. <laughs> it's usually yeah. it's usually like twelve bucks, twelve ninety nine for a four pack. Oh, and that's with steel. And uh, with that one being a variant, maybe a little bit more, a buck or two more, but I can't see it being too crazy because the beer itself is fairly. Because you know, I ran twelve twelve ninety nine for a four pack, you know. Yeah, but with Evil Twin, their Imperial Biscotti is like twenty one dollars for a bomber. Uh, yeah, but again, like their four pack of the regular, but I don't think that that doesn't seem right because their four pack of the Biscotti is eleven ninety nine. Oh, oh, and that's already an Imperial beer. I might just be getting gouged. Maybe at maybe the that one shop. Maybe that was a barrel aged version. Yeah. That's the only Maybe. thing I could think of. Because I even bought, like, even more Cocoa Jesus, which was with Cocoa Nibs, and that was only, that I think that was eleven ninety nine for the four-pack. Hmm. But one of the beers that I'm <laughs> drinking is the Burner IPA from Otter Creek. This is uh, the replacement for Backseat Burner. It is a new beer. It is a new style. It is in the New England uh, style. 7%. Incredibly smooth. Good citrus. I always liked Backseat Burner, but this is definitely an improvement on that beer. Uh, this also it has not been released yet to the public. The uh, Otter Creek guy came in, hit the rep, and gave me a can. I always think it's weird when he pulls it out of his pocket and hands it to me. And I'm always like, man, is that the best way to keep that beer? Couldn't he just walk in with well, it in your hand? I'm, a, I'm assuming he's probably carrying like other like marketing materials or something, and like he's just like grabbing one, like throwing it in his pocket to like to get. It. He's thinking of you, John. That's what he, it no, means. he is thinking. He is thinking of it. When he came in, he came in uh, the last time I saw him, like two times ago. He came in. He had three beers that he gave me. Um. But this time he just had the one beer, and he's still like, oh, I got something for you. And then he, like, dug into his pocket, and I was like, uh-oh. And then he handed me this. Um, but, no, it's good. It's it's uh, it's a really nice beer. $9.99, four-pack, tall boy, New England-style, juicy kind of beer. Um, great one for the summer. Like, I can't, I can't wait for Paul to have this because I think he'll really like it. Uh, it's a good. It is a good 
It is a good. You know what else is a good? The news? What? The news. Well, I mean, maybe not all the news. I don't know. Because there was some stuff I was let down by. Avengers, right, guys? Oh, my Was it God. just me? <laughs> so I it's mean, been like a week and a half since, or two weeks maybe, since we recorded. Um, in that time, we have had two movies come out for the blockbuster movie Bracket Buster. Uh, Super Troopers 2, which we talked about last episode 370 uh and then avengers infinity war which i think everyone picked to go all the way and we all made the right choice because it's already done a billion dollars worldwide within its first week of release which i mean granted paul you you can mm-hmm. restate the rules at this point because we don't oh yeah worldwide. because it, it we only do but domestic and surprisingly enough because uh you know box office mojo does the head-to-head battles right on their uh homepage. Uh, the Force Awakens in eleven days has made still had made more or had made more money in the first eleven days of opening than uh, Avengers: Infinity War. So uh, after eleven days, Force Awakens made five hundred and seventy-one million dollars. You know, domestically, Infinity War is uh, only made close to half a billion at four hundred and sixty-one million dollars. So. That's a full uh, $110 million off. So, It's still a crazy amount of money, though. You know, I was really expecting after that opening weekend that it might rival, it might take the top spot away from uh, Force Awakens. But it looks like Force Awakens will will uh, still be the n- number one movie of all time. But here's the well, thing. Domestically. It, in its second week, it still made more money than all the other movies on the movie bracket, bracket Buster. Right. Well, and also, not that it's on the Bracket Buster because it came out in February, but Black Panther's still performing. And I know we kind of like, I sent a message about this last week after Infinity War came out, but Black Panther was the number four movie at box office that week. And it's been out for three months now. So I don't know if it was the, hey, we just saw Infinity War, let's go see Black Panther, find out more about this character in this country that they're in, or if it was people just being like, hey, you know what, let's go see Black Panther again before we go see Infinity War. Uh, you know, it's it doesn't just take a sexual cult scandal to make things popular again, Chris. It could just be a good movie. Smallville! <laughs> Smallville was popular on Hulu, and I was like, yep. <laughs> Thanks, Allison Mack. Then <laughs> your weird sex cults. Black Panther is is number three. So we're Tom Welling's just like peeking his head out like, what people are watching my show? I think he, I think he retired from acting and is just happy living in Vancouver. Uh, Tom Welling. I'm pretty sure he did retire it, it acting wasn't from by acting. choice. Acting retired from him. <laughs> well, because he keeps going, hey, why can't I be Superman in this new one? And they go, no, thank you. And then he goes back to Vancouver. Well, it's better than Nick Caging it. Is it? Hey, did you, uh, something to talk about. Nick Cage talking about retiring from movies. Mm. Did you guys see that? I well, he's finally we... getting to play Superman in uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. So, Which actually looks like a lot of fun. Not that they put out a trailer for it. Uh, did you guys see who's playing Batman? Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Your favorite, really? Paul. Uh, Jimmy but... Kimmel is playing? Not uh, not Will Arnett? No, Will Arnett's playing uh, Deadpool. 
that that's a joke because in the trailer they keep calling him Deadpool and he's like, I'm Deathstroke. I came first. And then Cyborg's like, oh, I'm pretty sure you're Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's actually going to be a lot of fun. But also in Will Arnett related news, um, yeah. we got a announcement at the beginning of the week from Mitchell Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development, that they were going to be relaunching their season four uh, that went straight to Netflix uh, as a, a new version. It was a remix called Fateful Consequences. The original season four was the continuing story of the Bluth family and their company and just how terrible uh, of a family and people they are. But each episode followed a specific character, and then each character had multiple episodes spread out along the 15-episode season. What Faithful Consequences is, though, is basically a re-editing of all of those episodes into a more linear narrative uh, and it's been spaced out to 22, so they've added more episodes in to kind of do those Arrested Development cutbacks and uh, callback shots that they've had in all of their episodes. Uh, rewatching this, I didn't hate Season 4 like a lot of people did. I think the draw of Arrested Development is always seeing these horrible, terrible people still interacting with each other. You don't get a lot of that, but I think the show is... a bit stronger having a clear through line to it now um i'm surprised you haven't watched this yet john uh i i had seen it i had just uh last year 2017 oh I, good old 17 i um i sat my wife down and said you need to watch this and we rewatched all of the series and it was a bit of a chore to get through season four. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, eh, you go ahead and watch. You go ahead and watch it without me. You know, that's fine. So it's like I saw that this had come out and I was like, I, do, I just went back to this. Do I need to go back again? And maybe it is a little bit better with all those through lines. And it that's the thing about the trailer that came out. It well, was because like, because also oh, in the in the same announcement for the Faithful Consequences, they did say that, oh, and we also have a season five announcement coming soon. And literally three days later, they announced season five. And they put out a trailer, and it's coming out at the end of this month, the 29th. And when I watched when I watched the, the trailer when it came out this week, I said, well, that just seems like they're, they're, they're capturing the magic. Yeah, where, it's, it's back, baby. It's back. Uh, where... The season four was everybody wants to do it. Nobody can do it at the same time. Let's do it this way and try to capture the the magic, shooting magic. They actually got everybody <laughs> together and said, all right, no, we're actually going to make it the right way. And that's what this season looks like. And so I am pumped for season five. Maybe before season five. Caitlin and I will go back and we'll watch season four again, but it is still really fresh in our heads. Yeah. I think it's been at least like a year and a half since I watched season four, but it's still recent enough that as I'm going through rewatching it now with the remix, I'm like, I feel like I just saw this and I only watched season four, I think twice 
right when it debuted. And you watched it I, all like you watched I it all it. straight through. I had I remember because I was training for my job. I was in Syracuse, New York, living in a hotel room for two weeks, and they released it on my day off there. So I was like, "Yep, I know what I'm doing." And I literally sat in my hotel room in Syracuse watching all of Arrested Development on my phone before I had a ta- <laughs> this before I had a tablet. Um, and then I was just kind of surprised to be like, "Wow, people really dislike this." And granted, it wasn't a complete recapturing like uh, the lightning in a bottle, but I, I still dug it. And I do want to say that this, this looks so much better. Well, the thing is, is those characters, it's all of those characters playing off of each other. Yeah. And with that season, you had people say like, they'd walk by each other, go, Oh, hi, how are you? Good. Uh, did you do that thing I asked you to do in season or, or episode three? No, it's season seven. I didn't get a chance to do that. Okay. And then they'd go their separate ways. And then like two episodes after that, you'd see those like a character and another character talk about how they saw the other guy in passing. You know, like it just didn't have like the family together. And that's that's what that show was. And that's what the show needs. Mm. And uh, I did love in the, the new trailer, just the... I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you for dinner. I, I'm leaving now. Okay, yeah, but can you do this thing for us tomorrow? Yeah, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, it just captured it captured more what that show is in this this next season. So, season five. Paul, Arrested Development thoughts? Still haven't gotten through it. I'm sorry. It's not a show for me, especially because I mean, just like the circle of friends, everyone loves Arrested Development. So I don't I don't know why you never got into it. Because I can't root for any of them. They're all You're so not broken. supposed to. You're know, always just supposed to like be there being like, oh my gosh, like It gives me anxiety. Family I first don't... though, Paul. Family first. Hmm. I like sitcoms that are more about finding your own family, you know? Like Batman does. <laughs> Batman always finds his own family. I, I, I... Is there Batman news you want to talk about? Yeah, I don't... yeah there's... Okay, there was a... I wasn't sure where you were going with that. The IDW it, it announced that they're going to create a uh, board game based off the Batman the Animated Series, which is going to cost, you know, $50. Only $50. Uh, developed by uh, Ryan Lonius. Chris, you enjoy uh, his one game, Elder Sign. Oh, Elder Sign's awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he, he I still like did, the uh, setup for it. Yeah, <laughs> the he also terrible. did the Defenders of the Realm, uh, Defenders of the Last Stand. So he does a lot of co-op games, and uh, and apparently in this co-op <laughs> game, oh, I'm sorry, what? Uh, no, Chris just left at a text I sent him. Oh, okay. Uh, this is called Batman Gotham, the animated series Gotham Under Siege, and uh, it's going to be a, a, a you, mix John. of trying to balance story cards while keeping Gotham free of crime and, of course, going up against the Joker. And it's coming with these really good miniatures of uh, Batman, Robin, Catwoman, Batgirl, and also a dual a uh, miniature of Commissioner Gordon and Renee Monte- uh, Montoya. Hmm. Um, and it's only going to cost $50, unlike Gotham City Chronicles, the Kickstarter I kickstarted. Which cost uh, you know a little bit more than that. Um, I will say, I, I kind of want to look into this game now. 
But after you told us about that other, like the Gotham City Chronicles, when I looked it up, I was like, oh my god, like the attention to detail in not just the the pieces that they made, but the expansion sets for everything. I was like, I I love all of this. Um, the animated series one, it sounds cool, but I it looks, I, it looks pretty good, it, especially it, for that price. I, I I'm not going to look into it now because I don't want to derail us because we already been talking for an hour and we've only been recording for 17 minutes um but as comic book fans and just having a knowledge and love of all of those bat family characters the fact that they're just pulling from every corner of the batman universe in the gotham city chronicles makes me appreciate that game Mm -hmm. um so i i think it's more of a prestige thing than the animated series one which it it sounds cool from how you're describing it, but it seems more like just like a novelty game. While mm-hmm. that big box you pull out for Chronicles is like, yes, look. And you thumb it down on the table and you're like, Batman. I, I've already purchased and John and I played a novelty game of Batman <laughs> Ar- Escape from Arkham City, which is really bad. And it was also done by IDW. So when I first read the headline, like IDW is coming with, uh, with a Batman animated series game and i think they already have done a dice game and also off of the batman animated series line and also i almost got them which is basically based off that one really good episode where it's all the villains playing poker mm-hmm. remember that one uh, almost got was, him wasn't it online yeah. no that was a actual episode of the animated series oh okay i'm sorry and, and and it turns out spoilers for something that's like twenty five years old. So, uh, Killer Croc isn't actually Killer Croc; it's actually Batman the whole time, undercover as Killer Croc, and he actually is there to arrest him. And they're all going through. It, basically, you play poker, a weird poker variant. Like it's, I, I haven't heard good things. So, IDW's done some pretty bad Batman animated series games so far, but, but this I mean, one looks it, it really does good. Kind of depend on who the the game director is though i mean if they're just like publishing and putting it out like you can't fault them too much much like you can't fault a publisher for putting out a crappy comic book like there might have been an editor or someone there that like supported it but ultimately like the imprint itself wasn't like i have an idea for a game and that arkham game wasn't it wasn't bad bad it just was clunky and it might have been too we might have been playing it off you know we didn't we didn't 100 percent understand the rules i didn't think it was bad bad it wasn't great it was okay but like uh i mean the the arkham or the the batman game paul that you pre-ordered on kickstarter like that or you kickstarter oh, that arkham game okay the uh escape from arkham city yeah i'm esca- like escape from mean, arkham Ar- city I'm like Arkham. I'm like, do you mean Elder Sign, the one we all like? No, <laughs> no, no. no. We we only played it once, and one once was enough. But mm-hmm. we also we had a lot of questions while playing it, and we're like, well, can I do this? I don't know. Can I do this? I don't know. Let's look. And then it was like, mm, maybe. So I don't think it got a a hundred percent fair shake. But also, you bought that game on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, Deep discount. <laughs> But I think that that new that new game that you pre-ordered, I mean, you you know what you're getting with that, and then this animated series game, 
I I would be inclined to buy it. I would pick it up. You know, I'd spend that awesome. money. If you pick it up, then I don't have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's oh, Richard Bonius, so Yeah, I think it I think it would be good and I do I do really love the animated series, so I'd be mm-hmm. totally okay with that. Hey. And I and I'm opening a third beer. That's you Ooh. can do that. I you am. love you really love the animated series. How do you feel about Venom? <laughs> that trailer? Because we finally got a full Venom trailer. Uh, which you actually get to see Tom Hardy wearing the symbiote. Um, I thought uh, I shared before the trailer came out, I show, shared a teaser of um, the Venom with you guys. And then the next day the trailer came out. And I think like you, we kind of all kind of little scoffed at it a little bit. Uh, and then before Avengers, they played a trailer for it. I don't. Did you guys see that as well? Yeah, like the full trailer. The full trailer. Mm-hmm. And I thought the trailer looked better on the big screen than it did on my phone where I watched the trailer. But I'm not a hundred. I'm not a hundred percent sold on this symbiote uh, yeah. and how it's working. And Tom Hardy talking to himself and the Venom voice. And I just I don't like. Well, it was summed up best, I think, by everyone where the the effects look very reminiscent of the Spawn movie that came out in the 90s. I said that. John disagreed. I Well, as soon as I saw it, I thought that. And I didn't see that the footage had been sent into our uh, Facebook message thread until the next day after I had seen it and already thought to myself, like, oh, it looks like Spawn. And then, Paul, you had said that. And I was like, yep, I I completely agree. I also don't like the like weird Mark Wahlberg Bostonian accent that Tom Hardy's doing. He's doing a weird he's doing he a weird see, New York accent. I I don't understand where he's gotta be like, Yeah, I'm a reporter, I'm on the streets, answer my questions. I he can just be Tom Hardy. Like I don't need him to be like overacting for it. But then also, he, he just doesn't seem like the kind of person that would be a reporter. I don't know. Let me yeah. ask you a few questions. I got a couple questions. First of all, how's your mother doing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm not... I'm probably not going to see this movie. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they're trying. I just... I don't know how I feel about it. Like, when the tendrils come out of him and, like, he's riding the motorcycle and he goes over to the jump and, the mo- like, tendrils pull the motorcycle back, I'm like, uh, it didn't look great. It, it doesn't It doesn't look that great. Uh, I feel, too, it's still... I feel like it's still early computer effects because they put out a trailer with yeah. no computer effects and everybody went, well, this is the worst trailer ever. You're doing a Venom movie and you didn't show Venom. So I feel like this is the quick version that we've gotten. And people have already put out, like, better-looking Venom. Like, they've they've gone over the Venom that, hap- you know, everything that happens in the trailer and they've tweaked it and made it look better. And it's like... What? So the, you have the trailer that came out from... Sony, 
and then people have taken their own computers and upgraded the look of Venom with their computers, and they've done a better job. It's like you said when someone had taken the footage of Henry Cavill from Justice League, but yeah. then they, they did the replacement to get rid of the mustache, and it looked better. I yeah, still haven't w- seen that movie, by the way. You're not missing anything. I, I know. I'll see it eventually. Whenever we do the great DC movie retrospective, I'll get around to it. <laughs> uh, Hopefully by uh, then uh, it's like $10. It, one, it needs to be called the eh, DC movie <laughs> <laughs> retrospective. But, John, this movie comes out October 5th. Yeah, got, I know. They got five months to do better. Hey, man. Hey, man. A they better had, job in post. They had, three mu- they had three months to do a better mustache, and, you know, that's what we got. Now, uh, now winning that argument there. I, no, I, I know. I would be okay with this movie surprising me. I did notice it doesn't say, like, Marvel or Marvel Pictures on it now. It at the beginning of the trailer, it said in association with Marvel. So mm-hmm. even at this point, I don't know if that was a Marvel or a Sony thing where they're just kind of like, no, this isn't a Marvel movie. Like we're working with them. Like I read that as more like distancing themselves from what's been happening. Uh, they're, they're doing the Homer Simpson sp- stepping back into the bushes. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I, um, don't worry guys. We'll get that black cat silver stable movie too. Ugh. I wouldn't pay to see Venom, but I have Movie Pass where I've paid eight dollars a month, and I'd go see it with Movie Pass. And that's kind of how, like, when we, uh, when Caitlin and I went to the movies to see Infinity War, and they played the trailers, we looked at each other and we went Movie Pass. And now I just see things as like, oh yeah, I'd go see that for free. Like, yeah, oh, I'll go to the theater for free and see that. Yeah. You know what you would probably go to see and pay a ticket for? What's that? Bill and Ted's three. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted's threequel, I think, as they're calling it. I, I would, I would see that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's got the go ahead. Writer, director, actors have all uh, signed on and approved of what's going on with long rumors for the last two years. But everything is set. Um, the movie should be moving into pre-production soon. And um, I I don't know about you guys. Paul, I know you don't. But Chris and I, Chris, you, you love the Bill and Ted movies, yeah, right? I love Bill and Ted. I, just, I hate the fact that I was so let down by that Bill and Ted go to hell comic that came out. I think it was maybe last year now. We talked about it on one of our monthly lookbacks. Because I, I love these characters. I love this franchise. And I, I want to see it continue to do well. I want to see them around still. Um, it seemed like comic books was a great medium for them to continue on with. But man, that book just was not fun. But a plus movie. They, I, plus they already went to hell. I think it was because weren't they doing a whole thing with like Godzilla goes to hell? Like they had every character that they had like yeah licensing agreements to go to hell in. Like we read Godzilla goes to hell, uh, and then there was a Freddy and Jason go to hell comic. I think that was just a cross the line marketing stunt. Yeah, but the Freddy and Jason wasn't that like when Freddy and versus Jason came out? I I don't even know. Uh, but no, I, I don't know. To me, it's the comic book seems silly because 
we already saw them go to hell <laughs> in the movies. So what can they do? Yeah, their bogus that? journey, a movie that I enjoy. What? <laughs> I, I enjoy the Bill and Ted, the first and second one, man. Like, I that was one of the movies that we would rent from Blockbuster. My mind is blown. <laughs> I really enjoyed <laughs> the first Paul Bill and Ted Adventures. San Dimas. It's 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 fun and educational. <laughs> San Dimas High School football rules. I don't know if you it knew does. That. It does. I did know that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Where would hey? Where would Napoleon go? Waterloo. Waterloo. <laughs> ziggy, 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 ziggy. Oh my god! I want to rewatch those now. I, where's, I have them. Where, I should. Where's Napoleon? Oh, we ditched him. <laughs> what? Yeah, that dude sucked. <laughs> um, Cyber. I'm sorry. I completely didn't uh, mention this when we were doing the pre-show stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but. The Han Solo solo Star Wars story, uh, ticket pre-sales are actually outpacing Black Panther, which is surprising wow. because Black Panther ticket sales were like top tier before Avengers Infinity War uh, ticket sales went up. So I'm surprised because I don't know. I don't know about Solo. You know, I, I really... That movie, I'm like, I'll see it when I kind of get a chance to if like somebody invites me along and says hey let's go see solo i'll be like oh yeah what time oh i am free okay i'll do it but it's not something i'm gonna like really uh, it's a schedule myself so I'm, I'm still gonna schedule myself i i just i want it to be fun i mean we talked about it enough i think during the uh bracket movie buster mm-hmm. two episodes uh, one episode i don't even remember but I, I do want to say one of the latest trailers where um, what do you know about flying? <laughs> You're a hundred and nine. Like uh, that got a good chuckle out of me. Um, uh, I got movie pass, so I'll probably see it with movie pass. What, what did he think about movie pass suspending? They were no longer offering unlimited watching. You could go see four movies a month. And then they like three days later, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're offering unlimited one movie a day again for the same price." Uh, I'm fine with it because I believe they're hemorrhaging money. Um, I actually looked up Movie Pass when I was waiting in my movie theater for Avengers in February start because I was literally thinking like, "There's a lot of movies coming out this summer that I want to see." I know Movie Pass is only ten dollars a month, like you can see a movie a day, like. That's cool. Let me look into this. And it was like right when they had announced they were changing it to one movie a week. And even I was like, okay, well, that's still plenty. It still good. pays like, for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the the notes in one of the articles was they don't plan on being profitable until like 2020. So it's like, I, like, if they even last until 2020 at that point, then. Like, I think this might be a situation where you see Movie Pass. Like having that subscription service for the movies, and then other companies like AMC or Regal, the actual exhibitors themselves, be like, okay, well, you know what? Why don't we do our own thing where we offer a similar service and you get a discount on concessions or something, uh, just to kind of like cut into that? And then finally, you have them like absorbing Movie Pass. Uh, I'm fine with it. We're locked in at a eight 
eight ninety nine monthly price point right now. So even if we go see any movie, we're seeing it for cheaper. If we just see one movie a month, we've seen it for cheaper than mm-hmm. what we've seen. And like in April, we saw three movies. You know, we saw a Quiet Place, we saw Super Troopers, and we saw some other bullshit. You know. Like, it, it opens up to, hey, what are we doing this week? I don't know. Tuesday, you want to go see the movie? Okay. And we go see it. I wouldn't have seen Super Troopers if it wasn't for Movie Pass. Hmm. And they wouldn't have made those... Con- well, you don't really buy concessions. You're not, a, you're not a popcorn guy. I'm not a popcorn guy. My wife will buy popcorn. Yeah. But I just like to sit in silence and not chew anything. Hmm. Like it, you know, during Infinity War. Have to go pee. Hey man, we'll just keep talking. You go pee. Okay, I'm gonna go pee. We'll keep doing the show. You can keep vamping. I left, cleaned a glass, and uh, got a new (laughs) beer, and came back, and Paul was still talking. So I I think we're fine. Cool. Well, you can uh, you can continue, and I'll be right back. Like my dad, if if I go to the theater alone, I probably wouldn't get any concessions. You know what I mean? Like, but if I'm there with my dad, I'm gonna buy popcorn. You're gonna buy, you and, know. and then you gotta buy a drink because you're having popcorn. Well, because the, well, that AMC man, like, it was like it was cheaper to buy like two drinks and a popcorn than it was not to. It was like crazy. So I'm like, no, we'll just do that deal. Like, we'll get two drinks, and then Tony Stark's talking about you know having dreams where he needs to, where you need to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, oh. This is writers letting me know, go to the bathroom now, because things are going to start getting real, real quick. So, you know, just hit it up. Right. Uh, If I was going to go to the movies, I would probably buy some type of, like, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Swedish Fish, something I can chew on. That's what I like, Mm. but my wife doesn't like those, and so I don't get them. Strictly popcorn, sometimes maybe a hot dog. I oh. really do love uh, Sour Patch Kids, but if I'm there with my dad, it's popcorn and raisinets. Do you do the you pour the raisinets into the popcorn or just on their own? No, separate? no, we, we on our own separate. You know, a little handful, little handful. I will say I've been going to the AMC Dine-In Theater. That's at Disney Springs down here, though, mm. and I I do like being able to get like a burger and fries, and I usually just wind up eating it before the movie starts because they're pretty quick. Because I mean, it's just a burger. They're like flash uh, flash broiling it or whatever. Uh, but I like them bringing me dinner or lunch before a movie, and I mow it down before the preview start, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like, I don't need to have a popcorn or something at that point. Uh, with uh, with the AMC up here, we don't we don't have that. Um, but in the previews, they show people like going up to the bar and they're getting like a Duvel or Lagunitas, and I'm always like. Ah shit, man! I could really go for a Lagunitas right now. I, I could go for a Duvel, a ten percent Blondale. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, at the, at the Dine Theater, they do have beer on tap too. Uh, I mean, nothing like crazy great, but I, I can get like local brewery stuff. Like they'll have um, like Florida Beer Company or uh, Terrapin, which actually I have a beer from as my next one. Yeah. Um, which is always cool. I like well, that. Well, those commercials tell me that I can get a Duvel or a Lagunitas <laughs> in that theater. So are you telling me that's not true? Maybe maybe in your local theater. but Well, we don't have one of those. 
God damn Maybe it! Maybe in your closest, Zynan. Okay. I gotta find one of those. Anywho, I, let's just wrap these news up, because it's yeah. been 40 minutes. Let's, yeah, let's, let's continue on. Um, do I get uh, into our next beers, or do you want to talk about the comic books? Hey, man, I can talk my next beer. Paul, I heard you open a can up. Do you have your next beer? I do. And this is uh, Robox Griddle Cakes. Uh, this is from their Neotretic series, which brought us uh, the Cookies and Cream Ale, which it was, was good. delicious. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Blueberry Maple Wheat Ale. This is uh, Blueberry Maple Pancakes uh, blended together in a Will It Blend kind of style scenario. And then made into a beer at 5.2% alcohol by volume. This is uh, straight up maple syrup with a little bit of pa- uh, pancake aftertaste. Uh, I'm not getting much blueberry, but the that's blueberry, okay. The blueberry is on the tongue. It's like on the sides of your tongue. On the it's sides just, of my it's tongue. Just, you think about the sides of your tongue when you take that sip and you're like, mm. oh yeah, that tastes like a blueberry pancake. Because, you know, it, it, I feel like it's a Willy Wonka style beer. This is straight up a Willy Wonka. Snozberry tastes like snozberries. I'm not getting blueberry, though. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting a lot of maple syrup. I'm getting I'm getting actual pancake on it, too, with that wheat ale. Like, the wheat in it just tastes so much like a pancake. It's it's delicious. It's, it's, uh, it's alchemy. It's pure magic, like, that they were able to do all this. And just off the nose, it smells like a Saturday morning of beautifulness i just want to eat bacon while i'm drinking this beer and who gave you that for your birthday uh one of my best friends john <laughs> this is another birthday beer and he Thank gave you so much john. And, he, and he spent he also spent 50 dollars on a game for you yes yes he did he, well we we, we, we i sp- also spent 50 dollars on a game for you we split that and, and the actual game itself that we spent that money on I purchased. You purchased that. <laughs> yeah. But I spent $50 to help uh, be able to box that up easily. And, yes. man, does that make that game set up easy. I, Anywho. And that's that really helps you out because you're the one that has to set it I, I know, up I and set also it up take it out. And clean it up. But I will say this. I am drinking from Foreign Objects Brewery. Chris, ready to write this down. This is the third beer I'm doing today. Mm. Foreign- so, Chris, what are you drinking? <laughs> I was about to start typing. God. Uh, no. Foreign Objects Brewery. Chris, wink, wink. This is. And this is Wet Gravity. This is. Uh, foreign Objects is a brewery that Paul and I have had on the show before. And this is their New England IPA. Uh, that's right, Paul. The um, Mind, Body, Soul, and Sound was just their IPA. This is their New England IPA. And I have had this sitting around for weeks, as well as some other fresh beer that has gone bad, because Paul and I have not recorded in the same room for weeks. So this is... Oh, wow. Four weeks. Sad. Uh, I know, but it was actually F-O-R weeks, yeah. not F-O-U-R. Still. Still. Uh <laughs> We should have just pre-gamed Affinity War. I know, right? We should have. Uh, I mean, we're going to see it. Oh, oh man. I got a bottle of Abraxas we can bring in and drink in the theater. Uh, 7% New England-style IPA. 
This is just below mind, body, and soul. This is a enjoyable juice New England IPA. Slight bittering to it, which is nice. It's kind of uh, a you. I wouldn't say unique, but it's like a refreshing aspect with uh, the New England style. So you get this nice juiciness with this slight bitter on your tongue that makes you want to continue drinking it. And I've drank probably a little more than half of it. I got some nice little hot particles in uh, the bottom of my glass. It's, It's nice. I have a fresher batch in my store, and I feel like I need to buy some more. I feel like I need to bring some dank wood, some griddle cakes, and some uh, wet gravity home for Chris when he comes in on Friday. That all sounds good. I mean, I will not complain about any of that. I know, but it's I, I, we already paid for you to come here. You you are my birthday gift, and now I'm giving you another birthday gift. It just well, seems I mean, <laughs> it just seems like it doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm I don't know. Be- I'm going to bring beer from Florida, so I mean, it's basically just like a trade at that point. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be your oh. trade with you. Chris, what are you drinking now? Um, so when I went to my beer store and I picked up the Funky Buddha Hookie uh, Idol, I was like, yeah, this sounds good enough to just have for the show, and I'll just drink the rest of them, because, hey, Tropical IPA, great, I live in Florida, perfect. And then I had picked up a four-pack of something else, which completely escapes me now because I put it back when I saw that Terrapin Brewing had a 12-pack of cans for, like, I think it was Um, And one of them was a different uh, tropical IPA, and this is their Panama Crunkles, a pineapple papaya IPA. Mm. Um, This came in an IPA survival kit, they call it, which was four styles, 12 cans, an IPA for every day. So this has their Recreation Ale Session IPA, their High Five IPA, which is a California-style IPA, then their Hopsecutioner, which is kind of, I think, their their big-name beer. Um, when I first started hearing about Terrapin, like, Hopsecutioner was it, and then their the Peanut one, like not in the name of it now. Um, so I thought, hey, you know what? For just a little bit more money, I'm getting eight more beers let me get this. Um, I'm not let down by anything in this sampler pack. It's all very nice, very drinkable. But every time I've taken a sip of the Panama Crunkles Pineapple Papaya IPA, I just think back to the Funky Buddha Hooky Idol, where I'm like, man, that was just a tropical explosion. No offense to Hawaii. I'm sorry about Kilauea. In my mouth, every single time I take a sip. Um, this isn't bad. It's a nice... Nice, juicy, drinkable IPA. Um, everything else in the sampler pack is a little bit more hop-heavy. Um, this is a nice balance of everything. It's a good table IPA. I, I don't feel taken for my money. Yeah, I, a Terrapin makes good. It makes good beer. Like it doesn't make. I've never had anything super outstanding from them. And yeah. granted, half the time it's being brought from the south to the north. But every time I've had anything from them, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is good. I like think, it, honestly, from the sampler pack, just the um, the High Five IPA, the California style, is probably my favorite beer 
from here. And that's kind of just like one of their throw-ins that they have. Like the whole reason I bought this was because this is their, the IPA survival kit exclusive. Like you can only get this beer if you buy their sampler pack. Um, Sam Adams has also done this kind of thing before where we've bought um, like a 12 pack just to get like two or three of a beer. I mean, I don't feel bad for it. I mean, I've spent more on worse beer. But yeah, it's not it's not bad. It I, I drank everything and I will continue to enjoy it. Cause I think I still have like a couple left. But yeah. Um, two things from the news that I did want to mention. Uh, there is a website didthanoskill.me oh. where I want the listeners to know that if Thanos were to actually do this. The three of us would have survived and we'd keep doing the show. See, the thing is, I'm not sure if it's because I clicked on your link first, though, where you were already spared uh, or if I was actually spared. I don't know. Uh, well, no, I sent this the same link to a uh, friend of the show, Max, and Max died. Oh, OK. So we were spared. We were just spared. You just and got lucky. Future wife. I went home uh, and looked it up on my computer and I was slain. Oh, current wife, current wife, uh, she also made it. And maybe Paul, Paul, Paul maybe, or didn't make it, so. Uh, See, I, I, I don't know what they use. I don't think there's any kind of algorithm to it. I think it's just basically half the people that sign in are spared, half are slain. So, uh, you, you just yeah. luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. Uh, the other thing is with uh, DC Universe News, with their DC Direct online. Oh, God, I forgot about that. That's uh, how little I care. <laughs> this was like a big announcement, and I was just like, eh, I won't uh, pay for this. Right. Uh, we have James Wan, who has done uh, numerous movies, Saw, Aquaman, um other horror movies will be doing a swamp thing on the DC direct online viewing series where we're going to be getting that awful teen Titans show. I think I'm calling it now. It's not going to be great Yeah, because Robin Hawk and dove look amazing, but, uh, beast boy Raven and, um, I don't know the other starfire starfire. Yeah. People have said look kind of awful. So, but I, don't... I, I, I do think that even um, one of the actors or actresses from the show came out and was like, you're judging based off of a, like, a leaked photo that someone snaps while we were on set. Like, this isn't representative of the show. I kind of think uh, that's kind of true because I remember seeing stills of The Flash suit before the flash show came out and i'm like he kind of looks just like a motorcycle guy like a leather daddy all decked out so i wasn't really looking forward to the flash show and then once i started watching it i'm like ah this is actually really yeah, fun but and the it suit took looks you good. like it took you three years to watch it <laughs> yeah because chris and i were like no i think it makes sense and we watched the show from when it started to air <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, it's on Netflix. I'm all caught up. Uh, what about you guys? And we're like, well, we're a season behind. Like, I watched that season. I like it. And we're just <laughs> like, oh, okay, Paul. Yeah. But I get caught up eventually. 
And uh, do we need to get caught up on a dramatic reading? But we have to do our books first. <laughs> we haven't even done those? Holy no. sh- holy cow. Sean, come on. It's only been 48 minutes. That's not bad. <laughs> come on. I got 52 on my clock. What are you doing? I don't know. You, did you start the call? No, this is on this is on Audacity, brother. I'm just, I'm looking at the Skype call. Oh, yeah. Be, okay, because yeah, we've been recording for 15 minutes, but we've only been on the phone for hour 49. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Well, Jesus, let's get this done. The book I'm looking for. Name to... of your sex tape. Uh, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Justice League, No Justice, number one, coming from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, James Tinian, Joshua Williamson, art by Francis Manipal. I think I said in a couple episodes ago, I'm really looking forward to this book. Francis Manipal has been showing his art on uh, Instagram for months now. And that's gotten me psyched for this book. I'd like to see where this is going. Everything looks crazy out there and cool. The teams and what the teams are going to spin off into other Justice League books. I think there's four of them. I'm down for checking them out. I imagine one of them is going to hit me and I'm going to want to continue to read it. But I'm excited about this book. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, This seems like the big event book might shake up the DC universe in a way that I actually care about, unlike the Metal series. Four issues, three ninety nine, coming that's, out. That's not bad. I've coming spent more, I've spent more on the uh, the Watchmen book. What was it called? Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Isn't that still coming out? It is. I stopped. Good good for you. That's, that's... I couldn't I couldn't keep justifying buying me like, oh I'm buying it for the show anymore. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are you buying for the show? Uh, something I'm buying for the show is actually coming out for Marvel Comics, and this is from their Star Wars side of things. And this is Star Wars Tag and Bink were here, number one. <laughs> Why are you laughing, John? Because I'm so glad these characters are coming over from Dark Horse. Um, Tag and Bink. This is actually a collection of issues that came out from the Dark Horse stuff. So this has the Legends banner on it, but the fact that Marvel's publishing it makes me have hope that they are now officially being entered into canon. And Tag and Bink are kind of the everyman of the Star Wars universe, where they just happen to be in the worst places at the worst time and get caught up in the events of the original trilogy. Um, This is... I'm looking at it right now. Collecting... Issues from Star Wars Tags and Bink Are Dead, 1 and 2, Star Wars Tag and Bink 2, 1 and 2, and Star Wars Tales number 12. Um, no real big name writers or artists on this, but it's just fun characters existing in the Star Wars universe, just kind of pointing out the craziness and awkwardness of what's happening around them, because they're just like you and me. They just happen to get stuck on Princess Leia's ship that was carrying the Death Star plans, and that just sets everything into motion for them. I'm looking forward to this. Star Wars is great. I love it. It's fantastic. But it's very dour. There's always a lot of stuff happening, and there's no like moments of respite, really. Uh, 
And that's what I'm looking forward to in this. There's no stakes. They're just there. I'm going to have fun with it. Uh, Not every day can we, be a- We reviewed one of these issues for a look back, back when I believe we were in producer Scott's uh, Studio A. Because wow. either I or you, Chris, bought one of these and like at one point they had like knocked out Boba Fett, dressed somebody else up in his suit, and that's who actually died in the Starlack pit. Like it was one of the just kind of those crazy bumbling bumbling fools who like, oh, we knocked that guy out, but we did this and we saved this, but we're really screwed up this, but now we did this. Oops. And they were fun. Like I saw this was coming out and I was like, I don't I don't think this is new. But if it's new, it's amazing that Marvel is bringing these characters back. So I'm just glad that they're publishing them as a collected issue. It's, yeah, I, it's, it's I fun. Marvel and Lucasfilm realizes that, like, no, like people like these characters; they're fan favorites. Let's keep them around, or you know, reintroduce them for people that may not know. Because you know, there's a whole bunch of new people picking up the Star Wars books because we're in like that Star Wars Renaissance now. Like, yes, it's omnipresent, but now that we have the comics coming out weekly and monthly from Marvel, like it's a fresh take and it's kind of like a palate cleanser. I think I would love a like old man. Oh crap. Like, well, they're, they're doing shit that that's ruining what's going on for like, uh, for the new, the new trilogy. Ray, Finn and Poe. Yeah. And how, like, they have, like, such disdain for the new order. Like, ah, you know, we were the old order. And we screwed, uh, like up, we screwed up there, but these guys are even worse. These guys are dicks. Like, they accidentally left a bunch of, like, uh, crystal fox treats outside of the cavern, and that's why they, all the crystal foxes left. Um, and so, Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to jump in with my own news that I had forgotten about before, <laughs> much like John did. Um, they announced the next Star Wars anime series from... Dave Filoni, who's oh, yeah. behind Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, Star Wars Resistance. Uh, About a uh, X-Wing pilot. Yeah. The r- rookie can't. And that looks fun. I Like, I love pilots. I like pilots. You do. You, like, you we, want a pilot in A-Wing. That's I your do. dream. And when she, when she dies, the A-Wing pilot dies? I'm so upset. Because she was one of the ones that survived the uh, attack on uh, the Starkiller base. She was in an X-Wing. In that Star Killer base uh, assault, and then she gets to finally pilot the best ship in the Resistance <laughs> fleet, the A Wing, and she bites it, you know, during uh, Poe's stupid attack on the uh, Dreadnought. So that's still it's stupid, but it's still an awesome part in the, in the movie. Oh, it's a great it's a great scene. I love it. It's the most World War Two bomber like thing in. Star Wars, and that's what makes Star Wars great is like the dogfighting. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's great that we're going to be getting a show about a pilot. Like, it's not going to just be like, hey, here's a, a group of people, and oh, they happen to fly around in a ship, so one of them's a pilot. It's it's going to be about a pilot. Um, uh, the other other breaking news: the Russo brothers, the directors of the Infinity War movie are in talks with Star Wars about taking Good. on future Star Wars movies. Good. I would I would see that movie. 
What would you guys talk about with Star Wars if you could talk to Star Wars? Sorry, the way John phrased it, that they were in talks with Star Wars. <laughs> they're I'm in like, talk with Star Wars. They're in talk with Star Wars. They're in talk we got with Star Wars, Wars over just, here. Hey, we got Nobody Star cares. Wars. Nobody cares. You know, I'm like, <laughs> sorry. I thought it was funny. Um, no, I, we got a good chuckle. We made a couple jokes spinning out of it. That counts as a, mm-hmm. a worthwhile addition to the show. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I'm just, I really enjoy Rebels. Clone Wars is good too. Um, I think they just need to finally pony up and be like, "Hey, Dave Filoni, do you want to handle something in the Star Wars universe that is live action, not just animated?" Because I mean, they've they've gone to this guy multiple times now over the past what, like, twelve years, mm-hmm. to bring life, continuing life, even when there weren't movies coming out to the Star Wars universe. But you I know, like maybe, what this maybe guy. He oh no, I like what he does too. Maybe he deserves more of a budget, and. Like something that people don't view is just like, oh, it's a cartoon. And I don't, I don't need to see that. It's not I, real Star Wars, you know, quote unquote. I don't know. I think if you're a Star Wars fan and you watch that show, and they give that guy the free reign, free range to do anything that he wants. The fact that they had the the last showdown between old Obi Wan and old Darth Maul, and that's that's what happens. Those guys have that last fight, and that's that's canon. They give they give him the free range to do what he wants when he says, "Hey, I want to do this," and they're like, "Okay." And then they build up, build up, build up, and then that fight is only like thirty seconds long, and mm-hmm. Obi Wan smokes him again, and it's like, "Oh man, Obi Wan's such a badass." Darth Maul's kind of a bitch, you know. Like, and it's just like, "Oh man," they give. I think they give him that range, and I think. No, not I, all- I mean, I think they. Yeah, they give him that to do it in animated. I want to see the live action stuff. I want to see him. And, and I'm not saying like have something of consequence because I, as a a Star Wars nerd, the, all those stories do have weight. They do matter. I'm buying fucking Tag and Bink <laughs> for my for my pick from uh it came out last week. I I care, but I want to see him do something that the masses will also pay attention to. What if he was put in Star Wars fans? Sorry. Uh, What if he was uh, put in charge of like a second unit for one of these big movies? Would you care about that or Uh, no? Yeah, I I think that would be great. I mean, the fact that you know Peter Jackson will trust Andy Serkis to handle like second unit directing shows not just that Peter Jackson likes him, but he he trusts him. And I think at this point, Dave Filoni has earned Lucasfilm's trust. I would like to see him do a. I'd like to see him do a his own trilogy, and if it's a um, a Kanan, what a uh, Kanan and and yeah. those characters brought to the big screen or or anything, I, I, I agree with you, Chris. That uh, yes, I'd like to see this guy who definitely gets Star Wars universe, but I I I also have to say like he does get. He does get his free reign of of what he wants to do in the way that he does it, and maybe that's the medium he feels more comfortable with. Okay, that, that's a good point. Maybe that's what he what he wants to. Do. It might be a case of that's his choice. You, you've subdued my my fervor. Thank you, John. Did did we all do our books? 
Are we missing somebody? No, we we all did them. There's just a lot of talk in between. Paul. Question number 46 is for... Oh, logic. Paul didn't do Let's it. Keep going. Whoops. <laughs> this is the prelude to the Flash War that we read the kickoff to the prelude months ago in Flash Annual. Yeah. This, okay. is, this is the road to it. Written by, hey, just like you, John, I'm looking forward to a Josh Williams book. Hey! Williamson book. Uh, no, I'm more excited because it's Scott Collin back on uh, The Flash. Ooh. So Scott Collins uh, from the great Jeff Johns run uh, with uh, Rogue War. Scott Collins is back, and uh, so we'll see what this is all about. I do not like Wally West's outfit. I know it's trying to harken back with Kid Flash with his hair being out, but... I I, I, don't I can like agree it. with you, but I can understand how they want to differentiate it from like Kid Flash, which you know is also mm-hmm. Wally West, and then the Barry Allen Flash. I, I can see they have to find something kind of in between that to say like no, like this is Wally West's identity, and just not have it be a straight-up copy of either of those other costumes. Right. Well, I think you could add, like, actually, like, instead of having him in a whole, like, red onesie, like, just give him yellow pants. Like, you know, make it... I don't know about the yellow pants, but... Yeah, I, 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 I kind of get that. It's, like, almost Jay Garricky with, like, just, like, the two-tone, like, oh, red shirt, yes. blue pants. Like, I get That's that. That's awesome. At the same time, Jay yellow Garrick's pants, Paul, you're ridiculous. Uh, I I can I can see where everyone's coming through through for this because uh, a friend of the show Max and I have this discussion all the time because he's like I don't fucking get it. He was the Flash. They brought back the other Flash. They both had different suits. Just changed the Flash symbol and the ear oh, and things then his, like, like they did. Before. Wally's was also like a deeper red. Like it was. Yeah, <laughs> the characters were different enough. I think this new suit And he had sucks. shoulder pads, too. He had, like, lightning emblems on his shoulder. Yeah. I don't I don't love the new Flash suit. I understand it. I see that it's a hearkening back to his roots, in a way. But, yeah, I, I, I don't mind it, but I don't love it. Wally West, he's a carefree Flash. He's like a convertible with his top down. Yeah, but he's not. When you read him, he's such a depressing yeah. prick. He is right now because he's going through all this psychological trauma with remembering all the different pasts because DC just can't help themselves but like constantly tease us that we might go back to but the But that's why I like it one- because Wally feels like I do where he's remembering everything else that happened. And I'm like, yeah, those were better times. <laughs> they were, weren't they? But that's it. That's the whole thing, and that's why I'm looking. That's why I like Flash. the Wally West books that he's in now. That's it. That's the whole thing. I got one more beer to review. I popped open another one that I can talk about too. Do you want to do it like before or after a dramatic reading? Well, what don't we do it always we, after the dramatic reading? We always argue about this, so let's do it after the dramatic reading. And now a dramatic reading brought to you by the Bagnum Broadcast from. Vampironica, issue one, page five, panel two. Hey, Cheryl. Cool party. And that was a dramatic reading from Vampironica, issue one, page five, panel two. That's totally not how she said it. 
That's not how I read it, but I appreciate that take on it. As it was a dramatic reading of it. There was a lot of pause in there that I didn't expect, but it was good. Speaking of pause, I'm going to go to the bathroom again. Oh, I thought we were talking about a beer. Well, we we still can, but I I want to get up and go to the bathroom. I can talk I about get... my. I beer. want to hear you talk about your ah beer. crap. That's why I said pause. Should I go grab a third beer? Yes. Paul, <laughs> I like how Paul was like, "Oh, I might just drink one. I have a backup in case." I was like, "Should I grab my third? I'll yes. Remember how we were talking about locking out Amazon.com? We should do that. No, Paul, buy more stuff. I always reap the benefit of you doing this. I love that you were like, hey, I got you $50 for our game. And I'm like, right? And I got you $50 for the game that I also bought. You also bought it. Hey, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying I didn't just give you a beer. I gave you a beer. I gave you two fucking beers, really, and then I gave yeah, yeah, and then I gave really you that lot. game. That's true. That's, no, no. I'm sorry, John. I, I didn't mean to make you feel underappreciated. Hey, hey you didn't. I did. You I, didn't give you me. Appreciate. You didn't give me two beers. You Not drank bad. that. That's true. You drank that uh, evil twin beer without me. I would have loved that beer. Welcome I, to my world, guys. We talk <laughs> about your fucking IPAs that are juicy hey, man. and delightful. Hey, man. Oh, you moved yesterday. away before I got a job in the beer industry. This is the best IPA I've ever had. Wow. It's jacking me off, and it tastes like strawberries. Hey, man, I have I'm a, re- a wrench sitting here that I haven't drank for you. So I appreciate that. You should, because it's one of the get, best beers I've ever had in my you life. You get all those tool beers coming in, and I'm sad. Because I drank Bad Larry's, because it was $3 <laughs> for a four-pack. Which... They still have it at the beer store. When I went to buy beer, I was walking through, and they moved it from the end cap where it was to, like, where they put their, like, not marquee beers, but where it's like, oh, this is, like, the new seasonal stuff. Like, so in fall, it's like, hey, here's all of the pumpkin beers. Oh, summer, here's all of our shandies. I don't know what season it is now, because, like, just in the middle of everything, there's, like, a stack of the bad Larry's, like, coffee, and I'm like... Ooh, they're fucking trying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry you moved away it's, right it's when sad. my life got interesting. I have to deal with you guys drinking really good beers all the time. So you deserve it too for one week. One week you get to not drink what Paul's drinking. <laughs> one week I get to drink what he's not drinking, but then I drink Dankwood Burner IPA oh and Wet God. Gravity. So it's <laughs> like, what did I really miss out on? Plus, I can just ask to bring that into my store and have it. So that's true. Um, did you wind up grabbing the, the pomegranate? Oh yeah, I uh, I'll, I got that. I got I got shit. Ton I'd of like that. to actually like drink a good amount of it, not just a thimbleful. <laughs> So I made uh, my third request to steal one of those from you. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I, I really dug it. Like it was just, it was a great beer. Like I think I still like the regular grapefruit more, but it, it's just like a good change of pace, like something new. I actually like the Schoferhofer pomegranate because I'm not going to cut any of this out of the podcast. We'll oh. just leave it in the center. Uh, I actually like that better in bottle than I did on draft. Really? Okay. 
I look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Paul, did you go get your next beer? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, talking about things on draft, though, KBS on draft was really nice. Yeah. I am drinking, listeners, from Founders. This is number two in 2018's barrel-aged series. This is Dankwood. This is their Imperial Red IPA aged in bourbon barrels. This is Redankulous that they've brewed in the past two years, aged in bourbon barrels. And this is absolutely delicious. I... Over two hours ago, poured this into my glass because I wanted to try it cold versus warm. So I drank about half of this while it was cold, and I'm now finishing it warm, and the beer just gets better warmer. I really, really liked it cold, but the vanilla notes, the oakiness really, really come out of this. This beer screams bourbon and it's not in a harsh way there's no alcohol burn on this 12.2 beer uh this is actually really quite fantastic and i wasn't sure how i was going to like this beer but this is like the um uh dick liquor malt liquor uh, that they did last year, where it was a super super surprise. I I I, I like that. They actually had that at um, some like cellar event that they had last month. They they pulled out some of it. I got three of them in the cellar right now, and I keep going like, oh, I really should drink those. I really like that beer. What am I waiting on it? This is not a beer I would age. I have a four pack. I would drink it. Uh, relatively quickly. This is the, hey, we're going to sit outside by the fire. What do you want to drink? Pour me a Dankwood. Uh, uh, last time I sat outside next to a fire, I actually had Founder's Doom. Ooh. I think that's where these beers best best go. And this beer for this time of the year, I think this is it's it's perfect for this for the 65 degree nights with a fire out here in New York. It's really good. Um, from cold to warm, not much changed in this beer. Um, at one point in between there, I got a little bit of the alcohol, but it wasn't, it didn't take me away from the beer. It didn't make me dislike anything about it. I really, really like this, and I'm looking forward to drinking uh, three more out of this four-pack <laughs> and maybe picking up some more because <laughs> it's really good, and it's something that I want to I share with you guys. Um, Chris, I know I said off, off the podcast I'll make sure I have a four-pack for you. I only got six cases of this. I don't know what it's going to be distributed around in other beer stores, but... I think um, this is going to be an unsung hero from them. It's going to maybe sit a little longer till people start really talking about it. It's good. Well, I would understand it just because the Barrel Age series so far has been pretty hit or miss. Yeah, and even I, even um, the DKML, I think we were in the minority of really liking it. 
But again, the people who I've talked to who said they didn't like it, I said, did you drink it warm or cold? And they said, well, I drink it warm. It's a barrel-aged beer. And I was like, try it cold because it, it shines when it's cold. I enjoyed the Lizard of Cause. I think more than you, John. But Chris, you also um, enjoyed Lizard I, of Cause. I liked it. it. It wouldn't be my go-to. I think mm-hmm. it was more one of those just like novelty where it's like, no, like it's not a bad beer. And it was still pretty readily available like even a year after it came out like i could still find it on the shelves and it's just like it was so sweet if it had been dialed back a little bit and got you got more of the um like the barrel taste out of it i think it would have helped that beer out a little bit yeah i i'm always excited to see what happens with that barrel barrel age release from founders so um Hope, hopefully, I'll have some of their the um, the sleeper cell, the next part of their mothership series, on hand. At which point, I will try to get some to you. I can't guarantee I won't drink it, but I already <laughs> I already let Lexi know that it's like, hey, founders put this out. I want some. Please, please, please get it for us. Uh, Paul, you had did you crack your third beer? I did crack my third beer, and this is a. We haven't had this on the show yet, but this is uh, from a brewery favorite of the Bag and Broadcast, Southern Tier Brewery. Uh, this is their eight days a week, Blondale, and they say it's infinitely drinkable. And this is a, uh, comes in a can, 12 ounce, and I'm looking for the, I, the, uh, the alcoholic content, oh, 4.8 alcohol by volume, and, uh, yeah, it is pretty darn drinkable. It's just a light, Almost on the Pilsner side of a Blondale, where it's almost metallic, it's it's okay. It's it's refreshing enough that it could be a porch drinker, but there's so many better porch drinkers out there that uh, I got this in a 15-pack, the overpack that I bought for, you know, an all-day game day I had here. Chris, I really missed you. I love game days. My, I really missed you not you know you not being there like it just the whole day kind of suffered uh a little bit uh because of that but um it's 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 drinkable i agree i don't know if it's infinitely drinkable i wouldn't want to be stuck on a desert island with only this beer but it's it's decent i wouldn't buy a 12 pack of it but if it comes in a 15 pack of other beers a variety pack i'm not being like ugh, i can't believe i'm stuck with this it, all right it comes in a eight pack for 8.99 that's not um, this is replacing one buffalo the, oh that's uh, that's oh, that, a good okay, replacement like, yeah that beer didn't wow me when i had it so i think anything would be kind of like <laughs> a step up so uh one buffalo the for those people who don't know is um the people from who own the Sabers asked Southern the Pagula Entertainment Sports, uh, Pagula Sports Enterprises, or what is Pagula Sports? Whatever uh, yeah. asked Southern Tier to brew a beer for Buffalo, and they wanted it to be like Labatt's because Buffalo is a Labatt's city. This the the basic beer isn't Coors, isn't Budweiser, it's Labatt's. So we're a Labatt city. They asked them to brew a beer like Labatt's, and they did it for a sizable money. Uh, the contract ran out, 
they no longer have to brew one buffalo. So Southern Tier brewed their version of a Blondale, which is eight days a week. It's not a bad beer for eight ninety nine for an eight pack cans. Uh, it sells really well, and for those people who are coming from Labatt's, they really, really like it. Uh, they like it more than they did uh, One Buffalo. And One Buffalo here in Buffalo is a ridiculous thing. I've uh, mm-hmm. given out samples of One Buffalo, and I've had a guy come up to me and go, oh, I've never had One Buffalo. And I said, you're wearing a One Buffalo jacket. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah. And I just one and, buff- and I just stared at him like, you said, oh yeah, you said you've never had it, but you spent seventy five dollars on a jacket. He's like, it says, yep. it says Buffalo. And then I gave him the beer, and he's like, this is all right. And then he walked away from me, and I was like, I, f- I f- sometimes I fucking hate my life, and that was the most asinine <laughs> thing I ever had to deal with. Uh, until John, one until somebody told me to until somebody told me to lose is, uh, attitude. But uh, <laughs> it's one hop and one malt. Is that what it is? No. One Buffalo refers to the Pagula Sports Entertainment Group owning both the Sabres and the Buffalo Bills. Didn't they just lose the president of the? Uh, oh yeah, because he's a because he wasn't doing a good job, and also he's a jerk and a horrible person. It might be a horrible person. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I just want to say at Dizzy Springs here in Orlando, they have a a poutineery. It's called the Daily Poutine, where they have different varieties of poutine. It's it's all just fries with other accoutrement on top of it i've walked Um, by that display and i've said "Ooh, i'd like to eat there but i'm not right now it's good like it's poutine like it's it's fries fries with gravy gravy and cheese cheese. you You can't go wrong they have like other varieties too like they have a french one they have like a latin one they have like different seasonal ones as well like they're all pretty good um shout out to the daily poutine you do you do god's work um but being a poutinery they have all Canadian beers on tap. And when I walked by last time just to see what the like the seasonal poutine was, I just looked at the tap list to be like, oh, I could I could have a beer. Like it's been an hour since I've had a drink. Like, why not? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, they just, ha- <laughs> that just came out like, eh, it's been an hour since I've had a drink. <laughs> because I got there and I got a beer from the uh the Polite Pig, which is like a like brewery barbecue place in um i don't know where they are in florida now but it's owned by cask and larder and it's like their disney springs location i got one of their signature beers there and it was it was really good but then i i walked around and it's you know shopping in the sun so i was like i could have another beer they had labat on tap but it was like nine dollars for <laughs> a glass of it and when i say glass i mean just like your typical like Solo cup as like the clear solo cup, and I was like, "You can get a six pack of that like anywhere in Buffalo for like six dollars." Like you go to a bar and they have like buckets of Labatt for like five bucks. Like I I can't justify that. Let me stop you there. A six pack of twelve ounce bottles is five ninety nine. A six pack of sixteen ounce bottle or cans. Is five ninety nine, and I ne- I cannot grasp the fact when I tell people that, and they're like, oh, "I'll take the bottles." I'm like, "Get the cans! The, uh, you get more, more beer! You get more beer for the money! What's wrong with you?" 
Yeah. A thirty pack is nineteen ninety nine. I'm going to say. I'm sorry. That blows my mind. I'm here in Buffalo. I'm right by the border. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, Chris. Your story. Um. Well, I I told my story. Okay, are we done with beers? Dude, well, can dude, can no, we I get? My, I have my next beer. Is that what you were talking about? Get to the next beer. Um, my next beer is another one from the uh, IPA survival pack from Terrapin, um, from Athens, Georgia. This is their Hopsecutioner. It's an IPA that's brewed with six different types of hops. They have them listed around the label here. It's Simcoe, Amarillo, Cascade, Centennial, Warrior, and Chinook. Uh, a lot of hops going into one beer. Still really drinkable. It's not overly like mouth dryingly hoppy. It hits a perfect balance. I don't know what kind of alchemy or science they had to do to get to this point where everything kind of blends and works so well together, but it does. And this is like their like off the shelf IPA. Like this is probably what you would find if you had to go to a beer store and they had a terrapin section, which had two beers on it it would probably be this and then whatever their peanut butter beer is i don't remember what it's called i feel bad i have the internet i have my fingertips i'm not using it though um but yeah hops executioner it's just a really good drinkable ipa very hop forward but none of the just blatant bitterness it, it all works really well together and makes it super drinkable nice nice Let's get into our books for this month, which may not be very drinkable. Uh, Ooh, because that's going to head us into our main topic, which I realize now I did not introduce at the beginning of the show. Uh, It's time for our monthly look back. So we're going to be taking a look back at some of the new number ones that we picked up coming out in the month of April 2018. Um, John, take it away. Well, since I'm signed into my account, let's look at Analog number one. This is written by Jerry Duggan and art by O'Sullivan. Because I started the book and uh, it just said O'Sullivan. I'll find his name out later. It doesn't matter. Uh, This is probably one of my more – this is probably one of the books I like the – most out of this month and it was domino and this are the books i really liked and what and i bought we'll talk we'll talk i bought three books i bought one book and forced chris to buy (laughs) two books um i accidentally bought two books under chris's account uh which only cost which i i do want to apologize because i sent you a venomous text message but it wasn't because I was mad. It was because you accidentally bought books. And I thought it would be funny just to be like, fuck you, buy books. And I think I said, like, I hope they're good. And they were. <laughs> yeah. uh, I felt when I saw that when I saw that I bought him under Chris's thing, I felt really bad. And then he was very venomous about it. And I was like, oh, I got to make this right. So I spent six dollars on Chris's account. But then I gave him a ten dollar gift card. I'll make sure I buy better books. <laughs> Please do, Which won't be those, hard. because those books were awful. Oh, my tag and pink. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, <laughs> I 
where where are we? Okay, anyways, so analog number one I, on my account, I bought analog number one, and this this book takes place in 2024, and in 2018, the main character of this book pretty much crashes the internet. He takes all the information that is uh, secret and puts it all out there to be present. And anyone who wants information secret are now doing it on handwritten paper, and they hire these men called lettermen to then take that and bring it to an exchange spot. Uh, there's always people who are trying to steal or ex- or buy this information. But if you want information to be sent, you're hiring these men. We're following a character in this book who is ex-NSA, who is the person who crashed the internet, who gave the world everyone's secrets. And he is not only the one who did that, but... Uh, He's a letterman now, and for some reason, him and his gruffled pops, his dad, his old man, are a target in this. This is my probably second favorite to maybe first favorite book of what we're going to talk about. I thought it was well written. I like the art style in this, and it doesn't seem too far away from our actual future. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, right at the beginning when you have uh, – crap, what's his name? I, I don't even remember his name. Yeah, you, you don't have, really – you, you don't even like catch it. Letterman, like sitting in the park in St. Louis underneath the Gateway Arch, which I actually really appreciate because I've been there. Like I looked at that panel where it's like, oh, okay, here's the Gateway Arch. You see like, like the courtyard around it. There's a street there. I've been there, so I was looking. I was like – Okay, Steve's legit. Checks out. <laughs> um, it it kind of had me, and I came into this knowing like, okay, Jerry Duggan, he's written a lot of Deadpool stuff recently, like, and this is kind of in that vein, but unfortunately, it didn't have any of the likability that I get from Deadpool, and it could just be because it's a character that I knew from growing up reading Marvel comics. This kind of fell in with a lot of the other stuff I read this month where I can appreciate the effort and the work that went into it, but ultimately it just didn't resonate with me. And I think the strongest thing about this is the artwork. It works really well. It does seem very like indie kind of neo pulp noir. It it looks great, but I, just, I didn't like, the main character and even like that little quicker is like, Oh no, like the internet's exploded. Like don't do anything unless you want everyone seeing it. That's not enough of a hook for me to be like, okay, let me see number two. I kind of agree with, I did, uh, I did like a sad though. Old. Like when he's like, ah, fuck those meatballs took all day. <laughs> and he's like, he's in, he's in a, um, Apron, an apron and kid. nothing else, and his son comes over to visit him, and he's like, "Eh, go to a doctor? What are you kidding me?" And lose like lose my house because I can't afford the payments. But it's so, not a terrible so, book. It's not terrible. It's just it, it didn't 
it's a, me. It's a medium of the road book. Yeah, it's uh, I enjoyed it because it is that near fe- that five years out future, but I know it's like saying it's twenty twenty when we well actually holy shit <laughs> yeah that's not that far away. Do it was, from it was, it was twenty it was twenty twenty four. Yeah, well, no, no. Twenty twenty is when the wor- when the whole thing crashes, and then it's four years after, and it's happening now at twenty twenty. Uh, twenty twenty four is when the story's taking place. But he crashes, and all the secrets, everything comes out in twenty twenty. Um, and basically, it's Oppenheimer who you know worked on the bomb, the A bomb for America, uh, and he's basically Mark Zuckerberg in this book. Duh. So I'm like, oh, okay. This is a little on the nose. I constantly felt like I kind of wanted the main character not to be directly involved in the actual crashing of the internet and all the secrets going live. Like, I thought it might be a I would be more interested if that was a secret and like what he was dealing in was like, we're going to reveal who crashed the internet. Like, and that would be, you know, something to lead me through. Um, I thought it was an interesting book. Even, that you're like, I'm sorry, Paul. I'm going to jump in just because I have a direct response to that. I feel like even then, that's too much of a direct response to the world that's taking place in. I didn't care too much about, like, what happened, what caused all this. This is one of those things where it's like, you just tell me the premise. And I'm like, okay, like. That's fine. Maybe that secret's given to us at some point, you know, end of the first arc. And I'm like, oh shit, like, hook, okay, I'm already believing in this world and these characters. It That didn't matter to me. It was like almost in the side of the book where it's just kind of like thrown out there. The book, yeah, the and- book slowed down when it went to the flashback of him learning and taking the job that's going to lead to him to crash the internet everything i think up to and then him taking the job and then going to see his father were the bright parts of this book and it was that noir pop kind of feel to the book but it was that flashback of oh i could break this guy's neck i could i could kill him and throw him in his car and drive away i could dry him in the pool i could do this and it was like the like, oh, I'm going to give you backstory to why the internet has crashed, where it's more interesting that, hey, the internet has crashed, and this is my life, and these are the tales I'm going to tell you of me trying to deliver this box. And you, the reader, and him as the character aren't going to know what's in the box. And I think that's the more interesting part of this book, where, yes, I I, I agree totally with with you guys that if they had left that he had crashed the internet out of it I think it would be a better book it feels like a a different take on Mirror's Edge did you guys ever play that video game? Paul you brought that up when I said I'm picking this for the list yeah because it sounds like Mirror's Edge the the comic book because that's what she does she she delivers Mirror Edge the game as a comic uh-huh. book, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Except I don't she think, didn't crash the internet. I don't think... So it's a better book. I don't think a lot of people even know what Mirror's Edge is. I think they do. I think that was like a... 
pretty top tier game. I think it was a f- pretty popular game, but I don't think it's it's huge or people would even remember it. Anywho, anywho, um, not my favorite book this month, but it's not the worst. It's kind of middling for me. I, I'd say it's a middle. It's a middle book. It's a strong book for a bad month. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, Paul. Why don't we? So who? Why don't we go over to what what uh, what Paul picked up this month? Uh, I was. Let's go to Domino because that's the book that I was like least fond of. Uh, okay, that kind of surprises me. It's written by Gail Simone. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I want to hit log out so I can log into my books. I'm too to the art on this book. I'm sorry, guys. I'm still loading no, my account. No, it's okay. I'm having internet issues as well, so I'm trying to log into stuff, and it just ain't happening. It's Maybe saying, it's just Comixology. Uh, Comixology's yep. being a dick right now. It's saying I haven't downloaded this book. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell Comixology uh, it I'm is, not a robot. It is David. It. it is ba- David Baldwin. Ah, oh. <laughs> cover by Greg Land. Uh, and this book, I follows... could tell. I could tell it was a Greg Land cover. So I came into this like low expectations. Uh, this book follows the adventures of Domino as she's celebrating a birthday uh, and finishing up a hard job, uh, trying to. I don't even really know what the job uh, is. She's a merc it, doing a job. That's all you kind of need to know. And yeah, she's and, and she has a she has a person, but not save a person. I don't. She she's working with the team. She's going two, in two other people, two other people, two other two other women, two other mm-hmm. female mercs. Um, I don't. Who the girl with the cowboy uh, boots? What's that's outlaw, which I remember and recognized from Gail Simone's Agent X art because she was okay. one of the other mercs that was there with Agent X, quote unquote Deadpool. Because at that point, um, Marvel was trying to screw over either Fabian Nicieza or Rob Liffield, who did Deadpool. So they were putting out Deadpools under a different name, so they didn't have to pay them. Agent X mm-hmm. or Alex, who both show up in this book. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember the name of the other one now. She doesn't um, matter. And, Diamondback. Uh, Diamondback. Topaz. Diamondback. Topaz. Yeah. No, 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 Topaz is Those are names one. that I remember from reading this book. Um... I, I do have to say this is probably my f- my favorite book from the month of the books that we read. Uh, this is my number two. Wow, it, it's not a great feel- book, but as soon I read this after you had made your statement into our Facebook message thread, which was like, I'm trying to remember. I'm paraphrasing. I feel like Gail Simone has just written one story. <laughs> yeah. And just it keeps on getting new art put on a new new art and new characters put on top so of I it. So I came into the thing like, okay, that. But jumping into it, I I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. And this is a domino book, and I've never really liked Domino. I always just recognize her as that other X Force character that they put into a book to round out the cast. 
the only thing I've ever known or really um, said, oh, Domino, is from the 90s, number one of X-Factor, or X-Force? X-Force. X-Force. Is when, like, uh, they fight a bunch of guys in the middle, and then Cable is, like, working on a machine, and he uses his telekinesis to bring a wrench to himself. And Domino's like, oh, should you do that? And he's like, eh, it won't hurt. And then I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. And then years later, I put together, like, oh, he has the uh, cyborg thing, and he's using yeah, the techno virus. He uses his telekinesis to do that. It took me, like, I was, like, nine when I read it, and then, like, 20 when I was like, oh, I put that two, I put two and two together. I remember that. Okay. But that's the only thing I really, that's the only thing I recognize Domino really about, other than, like, when she came out as a hero click and we were playing hero clicks in our early 20s. <laughs> so I have nothing to this character, and I was like, okay, she's got luck. I thought, I thought it was well written. I thought the art worked pretty well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Because I read the books that I bought under Chris's account first. And I was like, oh, these are really awful. <laughs> and then I read this Domino book and I was like, hmm, hey, this isn't bad. And, uh, then, the, and then the Superman book is like a, it's a, I, I'd say it's a toss up. It, yeah, it is. Uh, but I, I actually came out of Domino liking it more than I thought I was going to. Um, I didn't know that this was written by Gail Simone. Paul, I just saw your message. I did, because you didn't say, like, oh, Domino number one, Gail Simone's written one story. I didn't connect it till we yeah. started, until you mentioned it in this podcast. So I started <laughs> reading this, and I was like, oh, Domino, written by Gail Simone. And then I was like, oh, okay, so this is written by Gail Simone. Oh, Outlaw's popping up with this. Outlaw was another character in Asian X written by Gail Simone. I bought all of that book. I enjoyed it. I loved um, that book. It, it was a lot of fun. I didn't mind this book, but it was right when she's talking to the dog that she gets for her birthday at the beginning of the book that I was like, oh, they're kind of trying to Harley Quinn this. Because yep. as soon as I saw that, I was like, this smacks of the DC Harley Quinn book where it's that quote-unquote, like, bad character because she's a mercenary versus, you know, the the smart psychopath palling around with her troop of misfits. But she's good with animals. I was like, Harley Quinn. Alright, I, I can see where this is going. I still really dug this book, though. And it might just be because I came into it not caring about Domino. And it, it wasn't bad that i was like wow this book's really great <laughs> that was so you're both saying that the expectations were set so low yeah I, that it exceeded it so much uh, but, but I, then also greg land cover and i just do not like greg land yeah. art so when i saw him on the cover i was like Ugh. but this artwork and i'm i need to look it up again john you said before who it was oh jesus why are you um, i'm sorry art david belden um, the arts, it's fun. It's expressive. It's that kind of pseudo cartoony that fits in well with where with I left Harley off. Qu It fits in with Harley Quinn. It's the well, same kind that, of art. 
even going back to the mid two thousands when I was reading Agent X, like this is kind of akin to that, where it's that like pseudo anime style, where it's like just very like bold and expressive. It mm-hmm. it fits. I haven't read any of Gail Simone's Marvel like Weapon X, Agent X, Merc stuff between this, but I feel like if this book had come up after a month, um, in within uh, Agent X's end, I'd be like, okay, like I'm just continuing to read the same story from the same ca- like uh, character and writer. It 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 picked up so well that I was like, okay, I'm home again. It just felt like such a Gotham City Sirens type book <laughs> yeah. that wasn't called Gotham City Sirens. And, like, the whole, like, oh, I got a pet now. And Gail Simone's Wonder Woman book was about, like, just apes living in her apartment for no reason. Like, I don't know. I just, I was like, oh, this seems so rote at this point. Like, oh, you know, it's it's people that I don't really like but I respect that are looking out for me and I will look out for them. It's just, I don't know, there was this whole thing, especially with Diamondback and uh, Domino's relationship, I feel like we've seen so many times before in uh, Gail Simone's work. I love her Secret Six stuff. Um, and even then, like, Knockout and uh, who, who was the other character? Uh, you know, their relationship. You know, the cra- the overly crazy character and the person that's more you know, grounded and we'll take care of them. Like it's, I don't know. I felt like this was kind of rote and, um, I'm like, Oh, of course Dazzler's playing because it's like, okay, it's Dazzler. But that was, that was like, that was was kind of fun. Yeah. And a Dazzler's going to put on uh, fireworks because she wants to do that. We were going to hire Jubilee, but (laughs) like that was kind of like those fun moments. Like it's not, it's not supposed to be in like in continuity kind of a thing. Yeah. And I came into this book not expecting much. They pulled the thing that I hate the most where it was like talking to the dog and then it was like 15 hours earlier, which is really the thing yeah. I like it's really been killing me cuz all these books that we've been doing has been like blah 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 blah. Introduce the character real quick. 15 hours, two days, two weeks, blah, 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 earlier, this is what happened. Drives It drives me nuts. It's such a, like a stupid... It's a trope. It's it, a stupid, it's yeah, a stupid trope. But also at that point, too, like, I can't say for all, but for most of the books that we read, it was one of those characters that's just like, I'm going to take a job. I'm gross. Yeah. Like, and... They all kind of have to fit into that mold. Uh, I think out of out of all the books, number one, I would pick up number. Uh, this is the book number one. I would pick up issue number two. I, uh, uh, yeah, I would agree. I it, and wow. and for me, number two would be a toss. It would be slightly a toss up between action comics and analog. Because I wouldn't mind seeing where Analog went and knowing that Brian Michael Bendis is doing Superman, where his book left off, I would say, mm, maybe that. 
And I think it would just be what I remember to pick up next month. Well, let's but, get right into Michael, Brian Michael Bendis and Action Comics then. Yeah, because even though he just did like the very last story in this book, uh, we got, I think, the first published number 1,000 comic book in history uh, from over... In at American. American, American history? comics, okay. because... Well, over, Japan uh, has comics that come out like daily, so they could Agna, and also, no, uh, over in England, uh, the, what's his name? Prince Dredd. Valiant. No, uh, <laughs> Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. But again, that's like Hit. a, just like a publication that they just put out because like they've been putting it out. Like, they're British. They're just too proper to be like, oh, we won't, we won't do this anymore. Yeah, but the, it, that's hit. those books have hit a thousand before. So, yeah, but uh, this is the first Action American Comics, comic number one thousand. Um, impressive because we've had so many books that have been like relaunched and renumbered that it seems like one thousand is a small number for what it probably could have or should have been. But I know there's people that have been watching this, so it is what it is. But this is basically uh, Superman's 80th birthday, where they had some of their best and brightest come together on a special anthology issue. Ten, ten stories in this book. Wow. It didn't seem like ten, but some of them are just like so quick, and some of them are so forgettable. Um, real quick, from the, from the city that has everything... Written by Dan Jurgens and art by Dan Jurgens. You have Never Ending Battle by Peter Tomasi and Peter Gleason. Uh, An Enemy Within, Marv Wolfman with art by Curtis Swan. The Car by. Did he forget about Pinup? No, do not uh, forget those about are pin just up. Those are just art, and some of them should be flushed on the toilet. I, I thought we would talk about this like. Bit by bit, because I think you kind of have to. Yeah, and I, I just want to put it out there, everyone who's doing it. Uh, the Car by Richard uh, Richard Donner, Jeff Johns, with Olivia Copia. Fifth Season, Scott Snyder, Raphael Albuquerque. Of Tomorrow by Tom King and Clay Mann. Five Minutes by Luis Simmons and Jerry Ordway. Action Land by Paul Dini. Uh, pencils by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet, Brad Metzler and John Cassidy. And The Truth by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Jim Lee. Yeah. So I, like, I thought it, there were some really good stories in there. There's like, this is superstar creators too. Like, I feel like even if you don't like or appreciate what they've done, you can still look at a lot of the names that are on this book and be like, okay, like. Yes, I can understand why they brought this person to the table because these are some like DC's comics and Superman's like biggest names from his eighty years. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like you have everybody's done a cover. Um, you have uh, who, oh, Jesus, um, Michael Cho. You have uh, Dave Gibbons, you have Mike Elred, you have uh, Steranko, you know, it It just keeps going on, um, who did covers for it. They didn't even do the quote-unquote pin-up, which would have been a cover, or um, 
or art for the books, but you have all these different people coming together to, you know, put put Superman on a on a a, 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 a pedal stool, pedestal. Thank you. Um, uh, and and the the art the writers who do these book, I think I said off show are these are their interpretations of the Superman that they grew up with. And I think that really is what, what this is, is these people are people who are fans of Superman who are giving you their interpretation of what they grew up with with Superman. And something I said pre-show, and we'll kind of circle back to it when we talk about one of the next books. Um, we had a book that seemed very 90s, and parts of this came up very 90s for me as well and a lot of that's showcased in the very first part of this book uh, from the city that has everything with Dan Jurgens, who wrote like Superman in the 90s when they had the death and return of Superman and this is the story of Superman handling an uh, intergalactic threat in the midst of Lois trying to get him to come back to Earth to like man up to something else and ultimately what we get is it's Metropolis's celebration of Superman Day, where they just want to get everyone together and say, hey, thank you, Superman. And for me, this started this issue off on a great foot where it's so much like people just being relevant of like, hey, Superman, you've done so much for us. We want to thank you. But Superman just being like, I have a job to do. Like, I'm too... I don't want to say proud. I'm just, it's too awkward for me to have you sit there being like, thank you. And I'm like, this is the right thing to do. And I think this was a great first step into the world of Superman that this started me off on this book. Being like, okay, I, I'm going to like this. Uh, I thought this story, I thought it was, it was well done. But when I got to, Superman flying off and then Wonder Woman saying like, no, we got this. And then it was like all the Justice League people there who tried to give him this 15 minutes of freedom to enjoy a celebration of him. I was like, oh, is that where they're going? They could have cut this like in half. It feel like it felt like it was a little more drawn out. And I, I'm not trying um, to say anything against this book, but when it got to the end i said well they could have trimmed a bit of this not the storytelling aspect of the people saying he saved me in this fire he saved me doing this my life was in a downward spiral and he always seemed when he kept arresting me or turning me over to the police that he was trying to help me until there was one time that he actually really got through to me i thought all that stuff was great it was the soup other superheroes mentally blocking him and him not enjoying the people telling the stories about him because he kept going is that a spaceship is this this is this this and then all of a sudden he's like listen john to this story i see okay and this is 12 pages of the i think 80 it's one of the longer stories it's the i think the longest I I read into that as just him not wanting to be there because it's so awkward for him that he was just like, what, beyond the moods of Jupiter, what? Okay, well, no, there's nothing there. He, 
I saw it as him not wanting to be there because he doesn't want to have to be thanked for it. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do. And the fact that they do that big group spoilers, by the way, every year or every month when we do this, we're going to talk about these books. Um, everyone from the DC universe did turn up to Superman day to be like, no, like we'll cover for you. Like the people of Metropolis want to thank you. I think that was just a great moment for him because, you know, flash, he doesn't care about Keystone. Like he's used to having a museum. I can understand Superman, like just being like, no, like it's cool guys. Like whatever. Pay for, pay for me at lunch next time. I got this one. Uh, it was a nice heartfelt moment for him. I did think it was weird that Deathstroke and Harley Quinn are in the group of people who are <laughs> trying to save him. I mean, you can still think he's cool. Also, Sideways is there from that kind of eh, issue. And, and somebody in just a green cloak. Yeah. I feel like I just felt that like book. I don't know what it was, though. Immortal Men. Like this... Go ahead, Paul. I... I'm sorry. I, I just felt like this this uh, story, I was like, oh, this is like the Captain America issue that we just read yeah. at, two months ago, but less than. And then, like, oh, they're all taking care of it, uh, the problems, like that awesome uh, Christmas uh, issue of Batman that we read, where Batgirl, like, rerouted all the phones for Gotham City Police to Supergirl, and Supergirl just took care of everything. For everybody, I'm like, it just felt like a little less than of issues I already read. Uh, my favorite of this whole book was definitely it's between Faster Than a Speeding Bullet by Brad Meltzer or No, I want to talk Land. about them all, Paul. Okay, I know we'll talk about them all, but, but chronologically. Oh, okay, I'm chronologically. Sorry. Like, this, go ahead. It, it's easier to get through it that way. You this, just say it wasn't your favorite. Please. It wasn't. Don't take this away from me. I this is my huh. favorite book of the month. Even though this, well, this like, is, like, sorry, go ahead. Even though I like like fifty percent of it. This is the book that it didn't it didn't click with me until I finished the book and I kind of thought about it. That I then and I've and I've stated this before. Like this is those writers' take on their on their Superman what they grew up with and what they had and how they feel about Superman. And by the end of it, I went, Oh, this is, this is this person's take. This is this person, what they walked away with that. And it was more of looking at those writers as a fan of this character and the story that they wanted to tell with it. Um, and I mean, you definitely get into that with the, the next, uh, book where it's like, um, uh, I kind of want to talk about the next one. Can I introduce it? You go go for it, baby. Okay. Thank you, baby. Because uh, the next one, it's Never Ending Battle, written and uh, drawn by Pete Tomasi. Uh, I'm sorry. Story by Pete Tomasi. Art by uh, Patrick Gleason. And this is, it's just a quick story of basically splash pages where Superman's being attacked by Vandal Savage. But then you get Superman through the years and ages and decades of DC Comics fighting against some of his biggest threats. And as I was going through this like sequence of pages, I was like, oh, this is like an anthology in an anthology. 
<laughs> the artwork's all by Patrick Gleason. And he did such a great job of kind of aping that style and feel of Superman throughout the decades that I didn't even know I was looking at the same artist doing each page. And while the story itself, it, it kind of like, it fell a little bit flat because it's basically just Superman talking about how he's fighting against everything and how he's not going to stop. It ends with him at his birthday with uh, Lois and Jonathan Kent and uh, Crypto being like, you know, nothing's going to stop me because here I am. Like everything always ends with me and the people that are like most important to me. When I saw it was all just Pat Gleason doing the art, I was like, oh, damn. Like, and I went back like those 10 pages and looked at it all again. I was like, okay, like he has a style. He does it well, but he's able to adapt his style to the story. And I don't know if it was in the script where it's like, I want this page drawn like Frank Miller. I need this page drawn like whoever. It really worked at selling me as like, no, this is a story that's paying homage to all those super men that came before. Uh, yeah, and it was it wasn't until I got to the um, Superman in the glass Phantom Zone, and I was like, oh man, that's like the movie. And then I looked and I was like, well, General Zod and the lieutenant uh, woman Flora? whatever her, name Felora are drawn like the animated series version that I was <laughs> like wait a second and I thumbed back through and I was like man that art is changing on every page it's capturing it's capturing everything because that first one you have that really weird shield with like the sandal boot <laughs> superman and then you have that classic uh, Golden Age Superman stopping the rail, the train. You have a different Superman in World War Two. You got the crate with uh, GI zombies. Like, come on, those GI. Those That's GI Sergeant Rock, dude. Look, yeah, that, Sergeant I, Rock. I, I, saw, I saw Sergeant Rock. Sergeant Rock. He looks undead. I saw Sergeant Rock, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, Sergeant Rock and Superman fighting the Nazis." Uh, I thought he would like a little zombie-ish. Um, but like thumbing through him, I was like, man, it's capturing all of the years of Superman. And then it ends with this great pinup with, uh, John Romita Jr. Oh my God. So I actually like, as I was reading this book, I sent out a message to the crew just being like, Mm -hmm. does someone owe him money or did he lose a bet? Cause it's just a one page like splash panel of Superman being struck by lightning on a mountaintop. But he has skinnier legs. Superman diaper? He has skinnier legs than me. It is the weirdest looking legs ever. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) No, because that's that's what caught me. I was like, his legs are skinnier than mine. And I'm like a 6'7 dude that weighs 200 pounds. Like, what am I looking at? I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr.'s artwork at all. And in... a retrospective of Superman's 80 years of publication. I don't think this sums up anything great about the character. Even the stories in this book that kind of fell flat to me. I'm like, okay, it's still Superman. But I'm just looking at this picture of a dude being struck by lightning in a Superman costume. And I'm like, really? 
I just sent a picture. I zoomed in on his face, and it you just, don't have to. I'm looking it's at it. It's the worst. It's no, the worst we're... looking thing ever. Oh, John Romita Jr., go kill yourself. Whoa. Uh, uh, we're going to go into no, a guy that has died. Literally, he needs to do that. <laughs> no, because we're going to talk about art by Kurt Swan, which the guy's dead. He's dead. and, and Why no, is he dead? <laughs> and the other guy's still alive. I, and, I don't and, know if this was a book or a couple pages that had been sitting in a drawer or if it had been printed somewhere else but just wasn't finished, but... I, I'm glad that it's in here. It it definitely feels like it's a story that's been in a drawer for a while, and they finally are publishing it. Uh, and this is a story about a like a school principal that's been taken over by Brainiac, and he's taken a hostage, and and he eventually fights off the voices in his own head, and Superman is just like. Waiting in above the sky, like being the, like, the I knew they I could do it. it. Is he's actually fighting Brainiac and Brainiac's experimenting with this teacher in the meantime. Like, he, Brainiac's oh, okay. multitasking, and while mm-hmm. Superman's fighting the like extraterrestrial threat, you have Maggie Sawyer and like the Metropolis Police Department, like handling the threat on the ground level. Yeah. I, I think it's worth like just kind of like re-thumbing through, but for me, this was much more that Golden Age Superman that I never really read because I'm not a Superman fan. But I still appreciate it because it's Superman reflecting on just that resilience of the human spirit and what we're capable of when he's not there. I just yeah. There's a better story that's in the same issue about the same thing. But what what the, the most confusing thing? Because I finished this and I was like, what happened? Is like in one panel, a cop is waking up a bum who's sleeping on a park bench, Oops. and yeah. Ma- and Maggie Sawyer's on the bench across from him. But then behind Maggie Sawyer is the bum plant like he's pulling up grass by a fountain and it's like it ends like the last two panels are him pulling up grass and then him like a weird like tinge under his eyes it's really fucking weird this story it's really weird it is like that last (laughs) panel like no it it's not as linear as it should be because there's two bums in the panel because there's the one sleeping on the bench, and then behind her, there's the one that's digging in the in the yeah. grass. It's strange because they're both dressed the same, and like they're both wearing. Well, they're dressed fedora. like bums. They both have fedoras. They both and, have like, fedora oh, and tan coats. Okay, <laughs> it just was. It's really bizarre. I, John, I don't know if you knew this, but as soon as you become a bum, once you register, they give you a fedora <laughs> and a trench coat, and then like they're like. Hey, Sit in this what? room for a couple months, grow a beard, and then we'll let you out onto the streets. Hey, what are these? Wait, you're Ben Grimm? What are these? Incognito? What are these bums complaining about? They get free coats and fedoras? I grew this beard on my own. They sit in a room and you grow a beard? Hey, this all seems this all seems really cake. This seems really good. I don't I don't get what's wrong with this. 
But why are they pulling up grass? I don't understand. Dandelion wine, man. Dandelion wine. There's no dandelions. It's just a guy pulling up grass. That's why he's digging through the grass. I don't know. It's, it wasn't a bad story, but like it, at the end it falls apart because I don't know what's actually happening in like the last two panels there. Because it's making sort of being like, oh, don't worry. Like, we can help. Yeah, and talking about a bad story, we have mm. Paul Levitz and Neil Adams on Superman in the game. Which is Superman, like, challenging Lex Luthor in a game of chess. Well, okay, this and seems, a Deus Ex Machina. This seems very, like, X-Men-y, where it's, like, just them getting together to play a game. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, and then just the craziness that Lex Luthor pulls, and it's like Superman, like, no, haha, I expected that. See you next time. He's like, oh, I feel like I didn't get a good story. And I'm sorry, like, Neil Adams' art, it's just not what it was back in the 70s. I, I Yeah, it's just. I don't. Uh... There's a crow magnum look to Lex Luthor in this. He, like he, he looks all like these people very lumpy. And uh, I, I'd, I hate to say that the art doesn't look good, but it doesn't. It doesn't look good. And it is like, haha! I've trapped you. I've wrapped you up in kryptonite uh, chains. And then he's like, haha! It didn't work. I knew you'd do that. So I took this. So I wasn't hurt by kryptonite it's 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 probably the we- one of the weakest story it's the weakest story in this and we just talked about the guy grabbing grass for no reason so uh yeah it's, that brings us it, it brings us to one of my favorites if you want to talk about it Paul. Mm-hmm. oh yeah this is uh this basically is the backstory of the action comics issue that superman appears in uh, this is uh, the, called the, the car. Here. Yeah, the cover. Uh, this is the car by Jeff Johns and uh, Richard Donner. Hey, Superman it's, the uh, movie. Yeah, uh, Olivia uh, Copia. Copia. Yeah. He and this is really well done. He fucking nails. He fucking nails it with this art. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the car is brought into a mechanic shop, <laughs> and the mechanic's like, "Dude, what happened?" He's like, "A man." He's like, "No way." And then they show <laughs> it's a like, bird. What are you, a wino or something? <laughs> uh, he, then there's a bird that flies by and he's like oh what did I hear and then he sees a plane and then oh it's you it's Superman I love that like that three panel like thing that goes on or no it's one two three four five six panels where they spread it out like bird a plane this, nope Superman and Superman being like hey I went back to that uh, telephone booth our telephone uh, pole. Where I hung, on it. where I hung you off of it, and you left. <laughs> what up with that? And the guy's like, "I wanted to bring my car into a mechanic." It's like, well, you got to be a better man because I'm watching you. And uh, the guy turns out to be okay at at the end. Yeah, I've so. I've never read like Superman's first appearance. It's never been in something that I've picked up like as a reprint or whatever. But I can recognize just that cover where it's Superman picking up the car, smashing it into the telephone pole. There's a person in the foreground, like, grabbing their head running. 
I I know that image as a comic book nerd. And as soon as this book started off, it's like the mechanic asking the dude, like, hey, what happened? He's like, uh, tell him. I was like, oh, shit, like, this is happening. Uh, I, I love this one. And this is one of the, like, stories in this book that made this my number one pick for the month. Because it's such a recognizable image for Superman, that cover. And then seeing a story, like, centered around it, I feel like this is why, like, these special, like, anniversary issues of comic books exist. Uh, I I agree. Um, I think when we did, what, Wonder Woman 900 last year or the year before, like, not everything's going to hit, but there are going to be a couple that go, that resonate with you. And this is one of the books, I think it looks... Uh, it looks beautiful. I think uh, Olivia Copia did it, nailed it with the art, and I think the story is that of one of Superman. And it's the same thing with the first the first story where it was, uh, I was a villain, he kept trying to help me, and it took me a while, but he put in a good word for me. He never lost faith in me. And this is another one. This is the one like, hey, I hung you up on that flagpole, and then I went and looked you up, and you had a hard life, but be a better person than your life has is made you be. And I think that's the thing is he always Superman is always trying to find that that thing that makes you human and makes you hey you should be doing the right thing. Yeah, you had the cars stacked against you, but be a good guy, be a good person. And uh, yeah, this is this is. This is where the book really shone for me. This is where I really started taking notice of this book. And then we're right into a real another really good story I thought yeah. by Scott Snyder and this, Raphael Albuquerque. This is the one that like this is the Superman story that made me think. Yeah, because it's about uh Superman checking on the up on Lex Luthor, who just got the eye of something the eye Cronus's of time. The eye of Zotar in Cronus's time scissors. And then he's Which, hanging out at like a planetarium. In, yeah, because uh, the planetarium to, in Smallville. Because together, those two items could basically wipe out any family line from his existence Wait, forever. even the House of L? Even the House of L. And Lex Luthor decides to use them to look back at his first childhood experiment where he sent out an SOS to the universe to hope to find somebody as smart as him. And it shouldn't have worked, but somehow miraculously it did because Lex forgot to heat whatever thing. Mercury. And it all turns out. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, it's, 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 it's not a petri dish. What's it called? The slide. I don't know. The slide that you put under a magnifying glass. Yeah, but it was like uh, it was something that he stole from the Kent farm, and Kent and Peter or er, Peter, jeez, and Clark knew uh, the the nitro. Mm-hmm. He stole nitro from him. It was oh yeah, nitroglycerin, and if it wasn't heated up enough way enough before you put the whatever rays on it, it could explode. And uh, Clark uses his heat vision to heat it up and uh, to save his life, to save his young friend's life. And it, it was one of those things, and it actually made me think of Smallville, where Lex and Clark were friends. 
but it had this moment where, like, you know, I took, I got these things to kill you. Yeah, I know. But they have this nice little, ah, I'm not going to kill you today. Let's remember this thing where you saved me in the past. And this is a memory I have. And I looked back and I saw that you saved me kind of a thing. And, and I did. I liked I liked this story in this book. This is probably my second favorite story in it. Yeah, I, I agree. Because there's just that moment where, like, Superman's facing off against his arch nemesis, who literally has the tools to destroy him right then and there. And they're talking about a planetarium. And Superman's like, you can still come here and just look at the stars. Like, you don't have to, like, think forward and look back on everything that's happened or could happen. Like, you can still come here and just wonder about the universe. It's such a great moment for those characters. And again, like this is one of the stories that makes me be like, yeah, anniversary books. I'm glad they're a thing. Much, much like the next one too, John. Uh, this, this is your is, boy. You should talk about is, it. Uh, of tomorrow, Tom King, uh, writer and clay man on art. And this is earth. That's, <laughs> destroyed and superman has come back it's to like it billions of years in the future yeah and superman has come back to it to think back on his mother and uh he creates he grabs the dirt and forms a diamond and then he uses his heat vision and makes a diamond and leaves it on a grave that he's made for his parents this was an okay story i think it's better <gasps> than it's better than most in this book. Okay. It, it 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 it's this is the the middling of this book because I, I was gonna, I would disagree because I was like, uh, what the fuck? Earth's destroyed. Uh, Lois Lane's been eating grape drink for a thousand years. Like, what the fuck's happening in it? And that's and that's and that's the only thing about this. If they gave me a line that said uh, the Earth died and I was able to save my son in that in a suspended time or blah blah blah, and I leave that suspended time to go to Earth to celebrate your life, it it didn't make sense. I think there's a lot of heart I, to this book, but at the same time, I was like, what? I I'm gonna disagree because I like this one a lot, and it's for almost all the things you talked about because this is Superman coming to an earth that's about to be destroyed because he's still alive. Like somehow Lois is drinking this Eternium fluid or Eternium something. I can't remember what it's called. Tastes like great. She doesn't like it anymore, but you know, whatever. Purple this drink. Is, <laughs> it's the purple one. And this is him saying goodbye to his parents who have been dead for billions of years, but he's finally at the point where he's like, you know what? It's it's been so long. I'm finally moving past this. Like I'm ready to go forward. And that's what hit me about it. Whereas he's just finally like he's saying goodbye, even though they've been dead for billions of years, and he's done this every year since they've passed away. This the story has heart, and I will give it that. But at the same point, it doesn't make it like it's like. Does it make 
total sense. It it doesn't have to though, because it's set so far into the future where there's no frame of reference. The only frame of reference we have is, hey, who's Superman? And you know that, and you get him at that point where he's just saying goodbye to his family before the world's about to explode under a red sun. I I think this is out of out of what I say ten stories out of the this book. This is my number five. This is my fifth favorite. Oh wow! Okay, Paul, you've been quiet. I, I do enjoy this one because it reminds me of the Doctor Who episode where you know the sun expands finally, and you know Superman could he have pushed the Earth away from the sun at this point? You know, with all those billions of but years, but you move just, it away from the sun like. Things get wonky. Yeah, but it's a red sun now, so he can find a perfect zone. But I like that he's like, you know what? I've grieved enough after five billion visits, give or take, and I'm ready to move on. And he's, like, grieved enough, not only for his parents, but actually for the Earth that he's left behind. Because everybody's left the Earth behind at this point. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's yeah, it's probably number five out of ten, but mm. that's because I've already told you to my top three. <laughs> it the the story has heart, and that's what really shines in this book. But I was like so thrown off by the time skew and the the things of that. If he had left out, I've come here a billion times, and. Lois is drinking purple drink and she's sick of it, blah, blah, blah. If he just was showing up and saying goodbye to his parents and he left out the billions of times he had done this before, I think this book works. And the, I, see, the weird... I'm, the, here, I'm the, going to disagree. The weird fucking fact about this is it's three pages. Yeah. And that's what's really odd is it has I, all I didn't this realize heart it was in, only that short. It's three pages. It, there's a total of four pages. But the first page, he says three words on it. And then the rest is all of this purple drink, Lois Lane, I love you, Mom and Dad, I have to say goodbye, I can't come back. And the I have to say goodbye and I can't come back is a thing that really shines in this book. But then you throw in all this bizarre shit and it sinks the book. And it I, takes I, it down. If you took see, out all that stuff, it would be higher because... Superman is heart, and him saying goodbye to his parents is something that has always resonated with me. Uh, in Grant Morrison's, where all the weird Supermen show up, and he's in bandages to sit on, to to put his foot up on a fence with his father and enjoy a beer one last time before he dies, like that has heart. Superman has heart to me. And this book had it, him him saying goodbye, but they threw in all this weird shit that just didn't make sense See, to I, me and took me out of the story. I think that completely falls into what you've just said, though, where, okay, it's a billion years in the future. It's a thousand years in the future. It's ten years in the future. This is Clark Kent being there at the end of all things say goodbye to his family. And it might have just been... The fact that, like, Tom King wanted to say, like, no, like, here we are, like, a billion years, like, further than you could ever even imagine, he's still there saying goodbye to his family. 
that it is what it is. Like it's what you said. Like he's there. He cares. He's saying goodbye. And they just chose a astronomical number to say, like, no, at this point, he still cares. He's still there. So I'm sorry, your stumbling point for me is just like what seals the deal. Like he he cares. Like it, at the last possible second, like the sun's about to explode. You see the earth erupting beneath him. He's there to say goodbye. It just the other stuff. I, I the, the, him saying goodbye to his parents. I love. There's other aspects to this three page story that just pulls me from the story. And I and when I finished the story, I said, "Why did we even have to have that goofiness?" When this story has heart, and just that, give me the heart. That could and, just be like a one of those like, oh well, you know, we have so many alternate universes and stories where like, oh, DC one million, Superman's the sun now, and he's doing his own thing. Like you have to go beyond it because you've already kind of given all those other things credence. For me, like this is elevated beyond like a number five story because of that like family matters. Not Jaleel White, Steve Urkel, but he's just saying like, "Hey, I'm saying goodbye," and that and that was the hook for me. And that takes us to five minutes by Lewis Simmons, art by Jerry Ordway. Simmonson, what is it? Simonson. 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 What did I say? Simonson? You said Simmons. Simonson. You missed the sun. Simonson. Yeah, you missed the sun. Uh, or by Jerry Yardway. Yeah. And this is, I mean, trying to connect with that classic 70s Superman, I feel. Mm-hmm. Maybe 80s. Um, well, I, I remember Bibbo from the rebirth of superman stuff where he was still working on the docks to like help people by giving them sandwiches so seeing him now is like oh i point of reference i get this oh my goodness i'm like bibbo in reverse i'm bizarro bibbo (laughs) you take sandwiches exactly (laughs) Uh, but i bibbo number one this is a story where it Uh, Perry's yelling at Clark Kent because stories do like for the headline in five minutes, but then you know Clark's supermaning it up, where he's got to get back and he saves the day. But then as soon as he walks back into his desk at the planet, that's that's old news. Superman saved a bunch of people. I hear this story. Yeah, it's. I like it because it's Superman like being like, yeah, I am the story, so I'll just write it up now. <laughs> like, you know? Uh, I I enjoyed the story for what it was. I think it was like a, kind of one of those like, oh, Henry, like Clark Kent Superman endings where it's like, oh, Clark can never win because Superman's always going to overshadow him. And I think this paid great um, reverence to that Clark Kent side of the story. We had a little bit of that in the beginning with the Jan Jurgen story where it's him not wanting to be there because Superman could be needed elsewhere. But this is the story where 
Clark Kent's needed to finish typing up the headline because we're going to press in five minutes. Yeah, I mean, this if uh, I think we were to break it down, it'd be number seven or eight for me in this. I, I, don't... I haven't listed any of my other numbers. There's just a lot of stories. Uh, now let's keep going because we're at two hours and thirty minutes, right? But, uh, but I, you have to you have to talk about the awful pinup by uh, Walter <laughs> Simonson. It's not it's not terrible though. It's not great for all the artists. They could get to do pinups. Uh, the pinups in this book are the worst. Yeah. Uh, it, and then you have the uh, the Brad uh, the Brad Metzler John Casty. I think you you jumped well, no, no. you jumped yeah. You skipped Paul Dini. No, no, because uh, the next one's the Paul Dini Jose uh, Lucy. Uh, I'm sorry, God. I'm five. Jose Luis Gazzara Garcia Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, the I, I have yeah. I have five minutes. I'm swiping through the comic book right now. Oh, jeez, Action <laughs> Land by Paul Dini. I thought it was all yep. all the same book, to be honest. Go for it. I, I enjoy, this feels like an old the, yeah. This is Adventures uh, of Superman. Yeah, this is the Adventures of Superman animated series. Makes sense. Written by Paul Dini, where it's mm-hmm. a story told from Mister Mixapuka's point of view, or his girlfriend's, or is it <laughs> like, his girlfriend, or is it another creation of his mind? I never really understood her, but I yeah. like her. No, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, she's a leggy it's... redhead. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I like leggy uh, redheads. Who doesn't? But you know, it's just them. Like they opened up in a theme park, but they just can kind of control everything with their like weird six adventure, six dimension powers, and uh, he's still upset about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of just a fun, goofy story, and I enjoy it, it, it quite a bit. It's a fun one-shot and a book of one-shots. Um, being written by Paul Dini, this felt the most like a animated series episode, and that's always what I kind of lump him in with, because he did so many great episodes of the Batman animated series. Sorry, April. Uh, but basically telling Superman's story and then his ultimate downfall at the hands of Mr. Mixpitlick. Uh, and then Mr. Mixpitlick loses sight of everything at the end, and he doesn't know how the story ends. It, it It's a fun story. Uh, yeah. And then that's when and we get the Brad Meltzer, John Cassidy story. I just want to know what Paul's frantically clicking about. Clunk, 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 clunk. I'm always clicking about stuff. I got to look stuff up. I was trying to look up which episodes Paul Dini, if Paul Dini wrote those episodes with Mr. Mixaplex on the Adventures of Superman. He's like the head of something at DC Animation. Was he? he like that's what I'm trying to figure out. But yeah, faster. Sorry, faster than a speeding bullet. Uh, written by Brad Meltzer, art by John Cassidy. It took me like halfway through this to like get where I recognize the art from. I was like, Oh, it's all real static and pose. John Cassidy got it. But it was the Brad Meltzer, like actual storytelling where it's going through is like the bullet slips in the chamber. I hear it like start to spin where I was like, I 
I bought into this book based off the uh, captions alone. And then it ultimately ends with Superman just talking to a person to be like, hey, you good? You're good. And, and then, then having like, that that Lois, like, hey, how was your day? Yeah. Uh, it was a bit tough, but I, I think I, I reached this person. <laughs> but then Lois is like, you fucking always reach a person. <laughs> like, that's what makes you. And that's what made this, like, a really good Superman story for me. Uh, yeah, but the bystander being like, I just thought to myself, what would Batman do? I just, I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, and then she's like, "Nah, I'm just kidding." And then she's like, "I know my audience." No, <laughs> uh, no. This this is one of my the probably number three for me in this book. Uh, I mm-hmm. I liked it, and yeah, the like I started reading it, and I was feeling like the art doesn't match the yeah. storytelling. Uh, and and then by halfway through, I was like, "Oh, that's not too bad." Or, "Oh, okay, I like that. I like the." the x-ray of the gun with the clicking like the the art is the weaker part of this storytelling and the story was really good with this but yeah i i mean i was just so happy to see brad at the end of it i was like oh no wonder i really liked it it was written by bad brad metzler and it's bad because john cassidy is such a big name in the comics world that i feel like anyone could have drawn this book and i would have come out of it the same way being like yeah, the art, eh. but wow, like it, it captured, it was Superman just saving someone's life and then taking that moment afterwards to be like, hey, we, we good? <laughs> Again, it, it sums up Superman. Uh, and then you have the, probably the best pinup in the book by Jorge Jimenez, with Superman, like, sitting on a cloud, like, <laughs> blue-stealing you. It is kind of cool. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and Chris, that brings us to the what? The final story! The debut of Brian Michael Bendis in the DC Universe. Uh, with the truth. Uh, with pencils by Jim Lee. And this is going to be kind of starting off... Uh, BMB's big DC story when he's going to be taking over as the writer of Action Comics. Or is it Man of Steel? I don't know. Brian Michael Bendis making the jump. We talked about this already. No longer Marvel. He's over at DC. And we get a setup story for what we're going to be seeing in the upcoming Superman universe. Uh, and I have to say, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it. Uh, yeah, I'm... It, it really uh, yeah, it, it's it's Superman getting his ass handed to him by a, a no name villain, someone you don't know. So it's kind of trying to give it that weight where it's like, I don't know what's happening, but Superman's getting beat. This this has weight to it. And then you also have Supergirl showing up. And then uh, spoilers, we find out the villain is the person that's responsible for the destruction of Krypton. Well, he's like, I told your far out father, Jor-El, right before I destroyed Krypton. Like, it, it has some type of weight to it. It's a, a little wordy of a story, and you have those women... Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis. 
You ha- yeah, exactly. You have those women trying to help Superman, like they're dragging him out of line of sight for the the villain to so Superman can catch his breath. And you, uh, have- I, I I do like Superman getting like knocked back, and he's about to fly through like the store, and he like he's like ah stop, mm-hmm. and he's like woo, and then he flies back to keep like fighting the dude. Yeah, where he's more considered, uh, more concerned about uh, saving people than winning the fight. Uh, and then also, the the people that pull Superman's unconscious body from the fight are like, oh, he's wearing the shorts again. Like, what? Like, why is that man? They're like, oh, he's always worn the shorts. The shorts mean hope in his universe. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm not a Superman fan. I don't want to say I'm not a Brian Michael Bendis fan because I, I'm now like picking up what he's writing just to check it out. Um, I think I think you and I were fans of his before he overstretched himself. And when he was Marvel's boy for everything, he overstretched himself where he couldn't tell a cohesive story. And then towards his end of his Marvel career, he was more fo- focused on just telling stories again and not being the guy who is in charge of all of Marvel in their, their monthly yearly um, events. Cause I mean, when he got back onto doing X-Men, I mean, we both really, I think all of us really liked his X-Men stuff that he was doing. And it was because he wasn't stretching himself so thin and I think that's where you get this. You get a good Brian Michael Bendis story because he's not overstretching himself. I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would stay on it, but I, I'm going to pick up Man of Steel number one on sale May 30th. Whoa. And, and we'll talk uh, if about you that don't, in our next look back. I, if you don't pick it up, I probably will pick it up because I wouldn't mind picking up the next issue. Yeah, and if you don't pick it up, I'll probably message you and be like, hey, are we picking this up yet? And then it, pick it up. It was a, I will it probably was message you, Paul, and say, didn't you say you were going to pick this up? And then have you pick it up. Ah. It, it was a good hook. Um, I think this was ultimately hit or miss. I think this is still a great read if you are a Superman fan or just a fan of that Superman mythos. I think there's enough good story here to be like hey let me check this out and that's why this would be my number one for the month actually unlike some of the other books that john picked up under my account yeah let's read those uh let's just briefly talk about them yeah because i honestly didn't finish any of these books uh (laughs) let's start with the crude number one uh, the I was wondering. I'm like Chris. Why wouldn't you pick up this I, book? I did not, and that's why. This book, under the description, was uh, super spy for the Soviet Union. Uh, goes into retirement and is brought back into retirement when his son is killed for crimes that he had committed when he was a spy. And I was like, for two ninety nine. I actually, I think the book was one ninety nine. For one ninety nine, I was like, I'm willing to pick that up. It's an interesting enough premise. And it isn't great, but it's not 
bad for one ninety nine. This is my like like last book in the power ranking. Really? Because yeah, I didn't care about anyone or anything that happened in this book. Uh, I think this is better than Immortal Men. I uh, I would I would argue that. Of really, because Immortal Men was garbage. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it was. It's a toss up, and, and it I would was say, garbage. I would no, say, correct. I would say, Immortal Men is garbage, and this is like, uh, I okay, it's compost. I, it's not no, going I, to the dump. It's something you're going to use to help fertilize your garden. Without spoilers for Immortal Men, I feel like Immortal Men could turn around because it has some kind of cool looking characters and they could save that book oh my i feel like there's no already no saving that book i already know everything i need to know about crude going into it i'm like yeah no one glad that kid's uh kid's dead one the name the name doesn't match the tone of the book yeah it it it, it's i you shouldn't seems like something that you should see from like Garth Ennis, where it's like bad dudes like pulling their dicks out in front of nuns, where it's like hey, it's crude. I'm gonna shoot a baby, right? Or Grant like, Gr- Grant Morrison's filth. Yeah, uh, it's just it's a dude who is almost like an enforcer whose son was killed, and now he feels guilty about it. Yeah, that's it's, the book, it's, guys. It's it's the Russian Taken. It's 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 a it's yeah. a it's Taken it's, without Liam Neeson punching fifteen year old kids in the face, and the kid's already dead. So you know, nothing really matters. It, it's Taken. It's um, oh my gosh, I can't think of. There's a seventies movie where um the guy's brother's uh like a enforcer's brother is killed, and he goes back to his hometown and he beats up and kills everybody. I can't think of the Look name. Look who's of it. talking! Look who's talking! That's it. That's um, <laughs> I don't think this is total rubbish, uh, but it is not well told. This is my second to to least favorite. I, I'm sorry, Immortal Men. I think there's no saving that book. It's absolute trash. Awful. Somebody on the Google Doc deleted all the books already, oh, that so was it's me. really hard for me to figure out which one was my least favorite, because they keep on going back and forth in my mind. The, between the crude, the Russian taken, and Immortal Men, which we'll get to next. Um, no, but this book, like, I didn't even like the main character who I'm supposed to be... I don't think you're supposed to like him. Well, I, I don't have to like him, but I have to feel something towards him. To at least want to continue reading the the book to be like okay like I want to know more about this story and I'm I'm not at least like jumping a gun like because we didn't talk about who wrote or drew the crew it doesn't matter Immortal Men was at least by James Tinian and Jim Lee on story and then Jim Lee on art where I'm like it's a bad 90s comic book but it at least has the possibility to turn around and matter to me but it's a it, bad it, it's a bad 90s oh yeah, it, book it, it's, it's 30 it's years book. it's 30 years too late but and they're trying to tie it into the metal event which i didn't read because i didn't oh, care about was... it all but these also, all... It, it i don't know that like 
gray ghost looking dude with the glowing face mask. I was like, oh, that's a cool aesthetic. I yeah, but and it was all it sucks. It was, no, it sucks. But it was all the the look of the book is better than crude, which made me feel like okay, well, this is the number five book with crude being number six. Uh, I, Neither I one of these are winners, Sean. When, when, when the are main good. character, the main character of the Immortal Men goes to a therapist, explains his thing, and then he goes and sees his rich parents, and then he's like, oh, he's just, you know, active imagination. That's what we thought. Let's take the limousine home. And then he's like, no, I'm going to take the train. It's... To the party. It is... Subway, is there an all about mole people or whatever? I don't know. He makes some sort of reference to Ninja Turtles. I know that. Yeah, he it, says Ninja Turtles. Mom, don't worry. Immortal it's not Men. Ninja Turtles and Warriors. Immortal Men warriors. Is, is awful. It's too wordy. They're over explaining caca bullshit that doesn't need to even be. You could cut half this book out. You can tell. I could tell it better having read this and going like, mm, maybe this would be cooler and do that. There's too many cooks in the kitchen with three people trying to write this bullshit. Jim Lee's art is okay in this book. It doesn't it doesn't shine. It's not like no, it's, Jim Lee it's Jim is Lee awesome art artist. Can, no, yeah, it's Jim Lee drawing Jim Lee art of characters that you don't know or care about, but you can look at and be like, oh well, it's definitely Jim Lee art. It's like Jim Lee. It's like Jim Lee sneezed Kaden? on. I don't know. He sneezed on a panel, and then they just put it as art. It's not good. But that's art. still better than crude number one art. Though. I uh, I would say that's still better than analog. Here's art. the thing: is you have like you have Jim Lee, who is this oh great artist. Is I mean, he's somebody. Man? He is. He's somebody who. If you look back at like uh, the Mark Wade Batman book, like that art is amazing in that book, and this art is shit. If you put those panels in front of me, I'd say that somebody trying to imitate Jim Lee art. That's not good Jim Lee art. It's a bad looking book. It looks trashy. It, it looks like Jim Lee art, but it's just characters that you don't care about. But there's still some kind of cool character design with, um, I I don't even know if any of the characters had names, but there's like, there's the guy that looks like Moon Knight. There, there's the guy the, that looks like Moon Knight. There's the, the guy that looks like the Great shadow, Ghost. There's the shadow who's green on fire. There's, there's like a big bulky like, caveman Indian woman. The, there's enough, and then there's Wolfbane. <laughs> There's enough in the character design and the premise where it's like, no, we're you're the the fourth unfound. Like you're and, about to learn about everything. That makes me be like, okay. And that's this- why I bought this book under your account, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I, I'm glad I did. There, there's enough to this book to make me be like, it's bad. I don't care, but it's not my least favorite. It's not horrible. It's just I don't about it this is the hardies of this month's fast food it's there you can acknowledge its existence you don't have to pay attention to it but in a pinch it's something to read 
I would if, re- if, I would read Crude number two over Immortal oh, Men number oh, two. Oh no, I would not. It just bad Russian accents in the writing. You look like Beast eating oh, ear. It was it was awful, but yeah, to it me, was awful. Immortal Men was even worse. Oh god, Paul, side with uh, me. I'm your go friend. With crude. I know. I want to side with you, Chris, so much, but Immortal Men, I just. I just couldn't get into. I just couldn't care about. No, I couldn't get honestly. into like three of the books that we we read. <laughs> but of the three that I didn't care about, this is the one that was least offensive to my taste. Uh, it's number five for me. Yeah. It's a. It's so close. Like those two books could, they could be the same book, and I would feel the same about. Them. Like you know, it's just ugh. That was not a sentence, and I apologize for no, that. No, it's, it's three okay. Three of these books weren't books. Three of these bur- books weren't books. But if you read books this month, the month of well, May... Power and ranking. He- power ranking. <laughs> I demand it. All I right, all right, it. all right. What are your power rankings? Uh, mine, uh, Action Comics 1000. Even if, like, half the stories in here were, like, or, uh there were some really good gems in here that just showcase seven ninety nine for the book. Uh, I would he didn't need to pay it. I would pay three ninety nine for the stories that I liked, like the um, the Tom King, the Brad Meltzer. Oh God, I can't remember the other one now. Just go back. You know which ones I liked. Um. There was enough here to make me be like, yes, these are good stories, even as not a Superman fan. Uh, Domino, number one, it's my number two. I would read Domino number two. There was enough fun here to make me be like, okay, like, popcorn movie. Like, there's a sense of fun to this story. I don't care about the uh, characters or the stakes, but it's not a bad read. Um, and then Immortal Men number one, whatever. Oof. These last three aren't good. This is the one that was least offensive. And then Analog, because I kind of like the idea. And then Crude. It's just a dude who's down in his luck has a sad story to tell. There's nothing inventive about it. Paul? Well, my power ranking would be, again, Action Comics number 1000. I know you said seven ninety nine price point, but I would gladly. I'm read just guessing Action that Comics it number. could be nine ninety nine. Yeah, I would still read Action Comics one thousand three times <laughs> again before I read yeah. either Immortal Men or Crude. <laughs> like I would, if you were like, oh, you could read Action Comics again, or you have to read one of these two other books. I'll just keep on reading Action Comics. And what about Analog? Uh, analog would be number two. Wow. Then Domino. And then it's so close between Crude and Immortal Men. And I think I'd go Crude just because Immortal Men, it was like introducing all these characters I don't care about. If they, It's a DC universe. There's a ton of characters that I care about. Pick one that, to be no, in that, this book. That's a good point. And I feel like that book would have been called The Terrifics, which we didn't even read because it was so bad. Yeah. Oh, the only reason we read this is because I bought it on Chris's thing. I probably <laughs> wouldn't say, like, I probably would have read three pages and be like, nope, this is awful. But that's uh, the thing, like, the Terrifics was on the list of things to pick up for the month, but 
they gave away literally half the book. As it, a, it felt like, like a, half the book. I, I think it was seriously like eight pages. <laughs> they gave it away as like a, hey, check out someone. And it was like, no, no, I will not. Uh, my pick, Domino number one. And I'm not offended by that. It's it's a bit of a toss-up because I really only enjoyed four stories out of the Superman. I appreciated all of them. Only four yeah. of the stories really kind of resonated with me. And then all the, the fucking pinup art that you're paying for in it is all awful. I think there were only two pinups in it. No, oh, there's, there's three. There's there's, there's three. like three. Ramita, there's... Jimenez, and Simonson. Yeah, uh, and they have a bunch of covers that look cool. Like the the covers, the variant covers look good. Um, yeah. But the number two, number three is a toss up for me for action comics and analog. Analog in the middle, I think, slogged it down when it went did the flashback. But him like bleeding. On the the park bench in St. Louis, and then where it left off with his his dad who was poisoned, but he didn't die, naked in a frilly uh, apron with the some type of feds or some people about to jump in. I wouldn't mind picking up Analog Number Two. I think it has a fun place to go in an action noir kind of book. I I. Don't disagree. I, I like the writing style of Antwoah, even though I didn't relate to it. Uh, and, and I don't and like and I I don't want to put it I don't want to put it down and I don't want to put action comics down because I did appreciate and enjoy both of them. So it's like two and three, and then far from two and three, number four is Crude, and number five is Immortal Men. DC should be ashamed of themselves that they put that book out. And James Tinian, who's done some really good things in the last couple of years, um, the, his indie book with the, the forest on space or whatever that we've talked about trying to read volume two or going on back at the woods, really good forest book. Yeah. You knew what I was talking but about. Also, I did. And, and Detective this... Comics is is has <clears throat> been killer, but this book is garbage. I, okay, I think this is a case of... Jim Lee had the story and then he teamed up with someone to write it because it's two other someone's. Well, no, I think it's story by Jim Lee, but then like written by James Tinian and Jim Lee. No, it's uh, Williamson is on, is on that book too. Um, there's, there's three writers on that book. Jim uh, Lee, no, James Tinian. And I'm on, I'm on immortal man. Number one, I'm looking at the, the byline. Written by Jim Sinian the Fourth, and then it's also uh, Jim Lee. If you go in the in the book itself, it, it doesn't it, matter. None of this matters. So Justice League, no justice is going to be really bad. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Probably, but anywho. Uh, if we missed a book in the mo- the month of May, let us know. We'll read it. We'll talk about it. Uh, but thank you for listening. Find us over on whatever you listen to. Rate and review us. It doesn't matter. We don't care. We just do this to be friends that argue about books that don't matter. All very true.
Okay, storytellers, Ghibli, Ryan Benjamin, James Tinian the fourth. Immortal so, Men created yeah, by su- James Tinian and Ghibli. It sucks. Yeah, it, it it sounds like Justice League No Justice is going to be horrible. <laughs> it was it, I just couldn't figure out how old the kid was. Caden. <laughs> like is he in his thirties? Oh, well, is he a teenager? Gonna, I don't know. I'm going to throw back to Batman number one uh, by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, where we were trying to figure out the ages of all the different Robins because they oh, yeah. all drawn the same way. He's anywhere but from like heights. thirteen to twenty. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening.